All right, here we are. Ready to do another. How are you doing? I'm not doing too bad, you? That's a puppy. Uh, amazing, Intara. Uh, <laughs> she's, she's a good little cockapoo. All right. The kids are loving it, and uh, she's uh, catching on real fast, and she's starting to give me some sleep after a few nights and uh, hopefully continues. Well, there you go. Welcome to the uh, DSC podcast, the Dog Sleeps Continuously podcast, right? With your host. No, Chad's going to be puppy guys. You got any puppy raising tips? Drop them in the comment box. Uh, yeah. But that's not what we're here to talk about. We're here to uh, talk about the upcoming draft. We got some we got some, uh, some cool stuff ahead, but this is a guest we've had lined up for quite some time. Um, I'll give you the credentials momentarily when he pops on. But uh, this guy has been in the scouting business. Uh, he's been general manager in, in the Ontario Hockey League for as long as I've been alive. So he's got uh, all the connections. I'm not going to tell you all about it right now. Let's get that intro running. But a uh, big shout out to our sponsor, uh, phgsports.com. That's right there, PhD Sports. Give those guys a, a, a look up, guys. They got, they're back in, uh, back in the Costco warehouses now doing their thing, selling their products. And they got a bunch of great merch out now. Uh, that's where the pros sign. And, uh, mm-hmm. and if you want uh, legit uh, hand-signed merchandise uh, by your favorite players, football soccer basketball hockey you name it even wrestling something. wrestling yeah ufc oh, too man there was UFC. a set of set of george st pierre gloves oh oh yeah. he's still in my beating heart but yeah uh check out uh, phgsports.com and of course you can, you can follow those guys on facebook for up to date uh where we're going to be next type posts so. I, know, Ryan. I think those gloves would look nice on either side of that spalding basketball there yeah, check out what's below the Spalding basketball from PHG Sports. This is a stick blade signed by William Nylander. Bought it from PHG. Mm-hmm. Oh, one I of never, ten uh... in the world, guys. That's, a, that's an exclusive from PHG. So uh, the good guys at uh, PHG arranged a private Nylander signing, and uh, they got some pretty neat stuff. In any case, without further ado, we got a great one ahead. We got the uh, episode twenty-five, Deke's Night Silly Podcast with Jeff Tui. Get her tatter. Let's get at her. It was time to introduce our guest. Welcome to yeah. episode 25 of the Deke Snipe Silly Podcast. 25. Yeah, I hope so. I never check, but yeah, 25. It is, that's what you're putting on it. Woo. Episode 25 of the Deke Snipe Silly Podcast with your host, Chad Newman, and myself, Ryan Gates. We're pleased today to welcome uh, a veteran of, of hockey in general. Um, I, I consider one of the great minds that came up through junior hockey ranks, certainly. Uh, 30-year veteran uh, with the Peterborough Peets in all positions. I'm taking it from towel boy right up to general manager, from what I can gather. A uh, mm-hmm. couple of years yeah. with the Oshawa Generals. Uh, spent seven years as a, as a professional scout, director of amateur scouting, I guess, with the uh, Arizona Coyotes or Phoenix Coyotes, depending on your affiliation with the team. And uh, yeah. I understand you did a little bit of work with the Frontenacs as well. Uh, that's uh, as a senior advisor. So we'd like to welcome to the show Mr. Jeff Tui. Hey, thanks, guys. Welcome thanks for show. having me. Yeah, you know, oh, when you thanks. do that introduction there, Ryan, uh, it, it makes me sound a little old, right? So 
you know, I'll, I'll just say <laughs> I started in, in hockey when I was five. How's that? Yeah, it sounds good. Yeah. Just, just, to, just to, uh, to put it in perspective, guys, uh, Jeff's first year as a as a scout uh, in Peterborough uh, was the same year I was born. So without further ado, let's get on with the show, Jeff says. All right, all right, move on, move on. What <laughs> <laughs> part of Newfoundland are you guys in? Well, I'm in uh, St. John's. Yeah, Chad's in the city. I'm just outside the city. I'm about an hour's drive outside of St. John's. Okay. So That's uh, uh, still one of my favorite places. Have you oh, been? Yeah. You been much? Or? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Back, especially in the OHL, when you used to be able to draft out there. Um, yeah. I used to be one of the few people that went out there and uh, braved the cold. And so, yeah, I've, I've been out there many times. Yeah, no, oh, back, in, back in the day when the OHL used to scout here, there, there, we, we had we had uh, quite a number of players who were going away playing in the O. I mean, Danny Cleary was probably our, our biggest yeah. export at the time who played in, in, in the Ontario Hockey League. He well, lived had, up there. I had Corey Crocker, who's from – Oh, uh, right. And uh, Daniel Ryder had him. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, I was out there. I mean, I've been places like the Goulds, uh, all those places out there. Gould so. Rolls. Yeah. yeah, and actually, I, I probably one of the funnest nights I ever had was on George Street with Mark Hunter one night there. So it was great. It's it's a great place. I actually want to go out there sometime in the summer because I've I've only been there when the weather's crappy. So well, we got uh, we got two days summer in the too. Summer. We got two days in the summer where you can have a great time here. Then that's why my wife's not jumping to go. <laughs> yeah. Now we've yeah. had a, we've had a string of great weather uh, in the last couple of years. We, we've had we've had beautiful summers. Uh, tourist season was always a always a hit. So, yeah, you know, great chance to see the whales and the icebergs and all that good stuff. Stuff that uh... tad windy. Yeah, it's a great place. So just I, I really the times I was out there, it was it was really good. So uh, I miss going out. So I'll be out again sometime. I just got to convince my wife. Oh, well, you, when you yeah, come, come on now. To look us up. We'll, we'll, yeah, we'll take care sure. of you for sure. For sure. Show you the real George Street yeah <laughs> <laughs> no, that's okay <laughs> no that's about uh 15 years ago for me at least yeah no it was yeah. good it was it was good people are friendly and uh yeah that's a good time I mean, you know and it's funny i i don't want to ramble on too much but like you guys tend to take it for granted like the the ocean you know and um just just to be able to see it you know and and uh you know, actually where, where Daniel Ryder's from, that's a place where they go to watch the icebergs, you yeah, know, you iceberg watching it. So, yeah, my mother's from not too far from there. So I'm well yeah, aware of that area. Place. It's beautiful. Yeah. 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 No, we we're, we're surrounded by some beautiful scenery. And, and one thing that, that uh, COVID-19 has taught all of us locally is just how lucky we are to yeah. live in such a space where we've got so much room, so much beauty around us, like covid while it hasn't been fun for anybody in the world, it hasn't affected Newfoundland oh. anywhere near like it has the rest of the country and, and the world. We've had like 200 cases total yeah. or something. Yeah. Stupid. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's not that low, but it's, it's something not, stupid like that. Like it's, We it's, have like five active right now. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's, pretty, <laughs> yeah so. that's pretty good. <laughs> and I think uh, four of those guys are on a boat in CBS right now. So it's, yeah. <laughs> they're Portuguese it's okay. fishermen. They're stuck on a boat. <laughs> You know, guys, I'll never forget to this last one I'll, I'll ramble on about, but no, being there one time in really bad weather and seeing those fishing boats come in when they're when they're coated in ice and they're oh, yeah. tilted kind of coming in, you know, because of the ice. It's like, man, that's some hardy oh, people that do that stuff. You got well, that right. It's nasty out there. That's cool. my uh, that's my history. I'm a by trade. I'm a master mariner, so I'm a ship's captain. Oh, really? Uh, by trade. Yep. So while while I'm not busy hockey podcasting, I'm uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> used to be driving boats. Holding I'd down be, an Ari career. I guarantee you, I'd be downstairs puking the whole time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 
guarantee it. I couldn't do it. Remind remind me sometime to send you some some of the pictures that we got from offshore Newfoundland. And uh, you know, you remember the uh, what was the movie George Clooney did? Uh, oh, Perfect, Perfect Storm. Storm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So like a lot of people said, oh, how dramatized these waves are, and I'm like, no. are you sure? Yeah. Because <laughs> I got some photos that would blow your mind. Oh, I'd love I worked to. See the, it. So I worked on the. Uh, I worked on oil rigs for a bit, and there was a, a, a deep water drilling rig, uh, an extreme water one, and uh, they uh, they all had T-shirts made on this one hitch and said, "I survived three perfect storms," Ooh. and then within 21 days. Yeah. So it was actually three literally happened while they were doing it. They never stopped drilling twice. I don't think. Yeah. Wow. Call them, call them hundred year storms, and we get one a year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There you well, go. You know, Daniel there... Ryder used to. The thing I loved about Daniel Ryder was like where he played on that tripen team like that they, they had to travel like it was like a <clears throat> three-hour trip just to practice you know and yep. then he'd tell me stories about how you know they'd go over to to halifax or wherever but coming back on the boat they couldn't get into the harbor because it was too rough so they just stay anchored out there and seasick for 12 and hours bob around yeah yep. yeah like that's a hearty uh that's a hearty crew yeah it's not for the faint no no so. no so speaking of Daniel, because uh, he, he's he's arguably, I'm not going to say the most talented player we've ever put off the island, but he's right up there. Yeah. Uh, the only thing kept him out of the, the the big show, of course, was some he ran into his, his own difficulties, mental health challenges along the way, and, yeah. and uh, that's not a that's not a thing to be ashamed of anymore, like it was back then. It was kind of a taboo thing back in the day. But yeah. uh, Daniel, as a player and and a, and a person aside from all the drama, uh, what stuck out to you the most about Daniel? Well, you know what? It's a funny story, Ryan. I, I went out there to see him because I'd heard about him and not many people went out there. And uh, I went out and like literally froze my ass off out there. And, and I saw him the first night and uh, Corey Crocker, uh, who, who played for me, was coaching him. Mm -hmm. And uh, he, he was just OK, you know, and, and after the game, Corey said to me, he's like, he's going to be a lot better tomorrow. We just said we haven't even been together for three weeks, you know, and. So I was like, yeah, okay. I heard that before I saw him the next day and I was like, wow. And I found his dad in the, uh, and I've only done this one other time. Well, two other times, I guess, but I, I went, I found his dad and I said, listen, if, if you choose Ontario, I'll take Daniel in the first round. Like I guarantee I'll give you my word. You can talk to Corey um, to trust me, but Daniel was so smart and uh, so talented and, and, uh, competitive like not a fighter obviously but no fear you know just just uh love to play so it's a it's a tragedy you know what what's happened unfortunately for him but he in all my years he's right up there with one of the most talented players that and and it was a, it was a blend of talent and hockey sense he was so yes. smart so yeah. he was an nhl player all day long like yeah. you know if, it, if he hadn't run into the issues that he's you know had yeah. and currently has i guess but uh Hundred percent, he was an NHL player. Yeah, so, he, I mean, he was always compared to his brother, and yeah. Michael Ryder was. I mean, he had a fantastic career as an NHL player, lifted the Stanley Cup, all, all, yeah. all and, and as an impactful player. And I'm not talking yeah. about Ryder on fourth line here. I mean, Ryder scored goals, right? Yeah. Um, he tore it up everywhere he played, and uh, they always said anybody who watched the boys growing up, they said Michael was good, but Daniel had the hockey sense, yeah. was a better skater. I mean, Michael had a really great shot. You couldn't take yeah. a shot away. He was had one no. of the best shots in the NHL when he when he was on. Yeah. Uh, but all other aspects of the game, everyone tipped their hat to towards Daniel. You know. Well, and, and Daniel, like when we won the OHL championship in in two thousand and six, Daniel was a playoff MVP. 
And I remember that yeah. night, you know, afterwards, Daniel's dad was here, Michael was here, like just the family support, you know, was, uh, was really, was really good. So it's, it's still something to this day that, you know, it's, it's sad because he, he was such a good player. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Even yeah. Uh, I remember Don Cherry was even singing his praises on coach's corner long before he had any business being talked about in, in NHL circles yeah. was saying this kid yeah. is watch out you know this kid is going to be great right yeah and, uh, and you know like for the amount of like competition he had which wasn't great like in newfoundland obviously there's only so many teams and you got to travel mm -hmm. but but his like sense and ability to make plays and uh um yeah he, he we had a really good team in fact that team that won in 2006 had the best record in the history of of the peterborough peets and the playoff record is incredible that we had. We knocked London off in four straight, but Daniel was it's crazy. Man, he, he was the, the playoff MVP. He was, he was the guy that we could rely on everywhere, defensively, offensively, just, just yeah. a complete player. So now, correct me if I'm wrong, but that would have been the same team that Jordan Stahl was on, correct? Yeah, correct. That was his second yeah. year. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's high praise in itself to be, to be, placed alongside a player like Jordan and, yeah. uh, and get the kind of praise that he got from those, from, from those oh, games. Yeah. And then yeah. being a part of that success for all of them. Yeah. Yeah. He, he, yeah. Anyways, it, you know, I, I, I miss Daniel. I get updates. Sometimes I run into his billets here that have stayed in touch and, yeah. you know, I know it's still, it's still a work in progress for him. So hopefully at some point, you know, he, he starts to feel better and, and can overcome this, but uh, yeah, it's sad. It is, but that's one thing about it. Uh, and, and we're quite proud of, as Newfoundlanders. He's got support. He's yeah. got a ton of support as much as he needs. And yeah. it's just a matter of what he does with that and, and, and what uh, help he can give himself as well. So um, I think he'll, he'll come out on the other side and, and be better for it. But again, yeah. like I said, it's, uh, it's, it's got to be equally hard for him knowing where he could have went. Yeah. You know? And having yeah. that playing in the back of his mind too, because I mean, that's every kid's dream is to play in the NHL and he could have been not just playing. I mean, it's not, it's one thing to be, playing. yeah, <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. He, he could be still playing. He was that good. So no, but you that's know, funny, uh, funny too. Last thing I, you guys get me going on stories, but when I was in, yeah. um, trying to think, what was the name of the town he's from? Uh, Bonavista. 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 Yeah. So I was in Bonavista and, and I'll never forget, uh, a guy came up to me and we found out I was with Peterborough and he was telling me that every Saturday night, <clears throat> that, that the Pete's played, they would have hockey night in Canada on, on TV. People would get together at the riders and they would have hockey night in Canada on TV, watching Montreal play volume down. And then they would have a broad, like our broadcast for the Pete's so they could watch Michael and listen to Daniel's game. Like, oh, I, no way. You know, I thought, man, I'm in Newfoundland and somewhat remote Newfoundland. And these people like this, this is, this is hockey, <laughs> you know, exactly, it just seems yeah. to me it was so perfect. So uh, anyways, nothing but good memories. Anytime I was ever out there. Uh, awesome. that, that's fantastic. And, and that's the resounding trend that we're getting from our podcast as well. We've had a lot of great guests on and everyone's either been here or know somebody from here or had the yeah. best drinking experience of their life with someone from new yeah. plant. You know, there's always a story. Uh, yeah. Best and, neighbor they have. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I listen to Terry Ryan too all the time, so I hear his podcasts. So. Oh God! Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> Holy cow! Yeah, no, there's yeah, some he's stories. Got some about. stories there, yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah, he's a bit of a wild child. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, but yeah, well, what we got you here for? I guess I'm gonna. Geez, we we've, we're rambling on here. I got to introduce our guest. So yeah. <laughs> what do we have? Uh, we both grew up Leafs fans, me and Chad. So a lot of times right, boys, we'll we do can a... end this now. I'm a, I'm a I know, right? 
Yeah, I, 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 <laughs> yeah, I, I heard, heard that. I heard, yeah. and, uh, and, and trust me, Jeff, I don't feel one bit bad. <laughs> I don't feel bad for you at all. <laughs> you know what? It's strange, too, because where I grew up in, in central Ontario, I mean, we're only an hour and a half from, from Toronto, but I, it was always the, the Canadians for me, like just the history, you know, and, and they were always winning and, you know, beating yeah. Boston, and it was a Canadian team. <laughs> hey, yeah, yeah. You guys Ken might see a trophy in your lifetime. I don't know. <laughs> it's like we always seem to manage to find some Ken Dryden fans on this podcast as well. Yeah, it seems yeah. Me, yeah, they hooked everybody back in the day, and I don't blame you. Yeah, but I do. You know, I, I love the just the history of the Canadians. I mean, yeah, the Leafs is yeah. good too. I'm not an I'm not a Leaf hater, but I'm yeah. certainly a Canadians lover. Yeah, and yeah that's, that's how right. I feel so, with Habs too. I I don't I don't dislike the Habs. I just dislike their fans. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, like, it's really know. funny that Chad mentioned Ken Dryden. We had uh, we had Alan Bester on for an episode okay. there a while back, and Alan was fantastic. We had a great yeah. chat, a good good time. Uh, but I was like, I was like, all right, Bester, enough talking about how great Ken Dryden was. All right. But, uh, yeah, it's really funny. Cause you're, you're right. There's a, there's a certain demographic and a certain age point. I think there um, among, among men in particular hockey fans who just, it's almost like if you grew up in the nineties watching basketball, you watched Michael Jordan. It's, it's yeah. the exact same connection to hockey because there was just nobody, nobody was beating abs. It, that was just. It's a little yeah. before my time, but I've looked back far enough to say, oh, yeah, that they were an unbeatable yeah. team. Yeah, well, yeah. yeah. And, and I mean, in fairness, the, the Peterborough Peets, they were originally brought here by the Montreal Canadiens. That, that, like, the, mm. the Peets were their farm team for junior before there was the draft. So they sent most of the French kids to the Montreal Junior Canadiens, and the English kids they owned came to Peterborough here. So That, that I didn't know. See, I'm uh, learning something. No, about. that I didn't know. And Bob Ganey lives here in Peterborough, grew up here, uh, played for the Peets. So, uh, you know, there's just a few more tidbits for you guys. That's <laughs> right. Yeah. Connections are coming full circle for me here. It's creeping <laughs> me out. <laughs> <laughs> no, Jeff, what, what, what are you up to these days? I mean, with COVID and everything else, I mean, junior hockey was almost non-existent this last year. And, and so mm-hmm. what are you doing currently? Well, this past year, Ryan, obviously with COVID, uh, there, there wasn't any hockey. Um, the previous year I spent with the, with the Kingston Front, Frontenacs as a kind of a senior advisor there. The general manager is a, a young guy, Darren Kiley at the time, who I've known since he was a little kid. We were both connected to Roger Nielsen and uh, so really enjoyed it. It was a great year uh, in, you know, helping out the Frontenacs in all areas, scouting, you know, just feedback on everything. Um, and you know, played a very active role in, in helping to get Paul McFarland from the Toronto Maple Leafs back to Kingston as a head, uh, head coach. And, uh, you know, just out of the blue last summer, they decided to let Darren Kylie go. And uh, once that happened, I kind of walked away and, and uh, there was no hockey anyways in Ontario. So yeah. uh, this past year, I spent a lot of time watching NHL games, reading, um, I've actually got uh, two grandsons here in town. So I've got a two and a half year old. So uh they kept me busy but uh, no it was a good year to kind of reflect and and read and get better and uh you know i'm optimistic i'm going to be back in the fall uh watching games again and uh looking forward to it but you know to have a year we had the, the whole year it was it was different for me and uh different for my wife as well you know <laughs> yeah be home every night uh was a little different but it was good so i feel good i feel refreshed and uh you know the not to ramble on, but the great thing about COVID and, and it taking hockey away from us, I think it's given us a new appreciation. So, you know, I can't wait to, to get the OHL going again and, and uh, watching games and, and uh, the NHL, all levels. I mean, you know, it's just, 
um, it, 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 we just, it, you, you kind of forget how much you love it. So uh, it, it certainly gave me a, a renewed uh, sense of optimism and, and excitement. And uh, once everything goes in the fall, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I can imagine. Right. I think, I yeah, think so, um, we're talking about the front next stuff, Chad. If you don't mind, I'll, I'll try. I got to throw one no, in. Go right front next thing just, just spun my mind. Uh, if we're going to throw a, a shout out to the front next, we got to mention Shane Wright at, right, yeah. at, right off the bat. Um, I mean, you've had an opportunity to watch him play undoubtedly at, at, at his best. He put the world on notice just yeah. recently in that, in that, yeah, uh, the U18 under yeah. 18s. And, uh, I mean, just how, how good is this, is this kid, Jeff? Is he, is he worth the hype? Yeah, he, he really is guys. He, um, you know, when the front say went through a tough season, obviously they got the first pick and, and that was the, you know, the prize and, and those guys don't come around too often. I mean, usually, no. you know, you, you're kind of looking between two or three guys, but when the number one pick is really clear cut as it was with, with Shane and he's a year younger than everybody else, it's pretty mm -hmm. exciting. And, uh, you know, Shane, I was around the team a lot. So I saw them, you know, off the ice practice, you know, how they, how Shane in particular carried himself, but really good player. Obviously he's got outstanding uh, sense, offensive sense. I mean, the, the, the defensive parties, you know, he's got to learn a little bit, but when he gets the puck, his ability to score goals, I mean, he, he got 39 goals as a 15 year old and, and would have got 40 had the season not ended. And, and let's yeah. be honest, he was playing on a, on an average, team that was young it was going to get better but it was very young so there's no question about his ability but just the the leadership uh potential and maturity on him is something i've never seen and and uh you know he he got a an a on his sweater uh, after christmas and uh that was earned and and credit to him not one older player complained about it because they could see it you know yeah his his focus uh how he treated his teammates, how he, you know, how he conducted himself in school. Um, he's a very special player. And, uh, you know, when you get a combination of high, high end ability, hockey sense and leadership, you know, it's a shame that, that, that the Kingston fans lost a year of watching him because. No, right. You know, they, they, they deserve a Shane, right? I, I wholeheartedly agree. Yeah. So, they've had a rough, a rough go. Yeah. So very much worth the hype. <laughs> yeah that's I, I assumed as much but i wanted to hear it from the horse's mouth yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly right yeah. no he's gonna be something else that the under 18 tournament he was like you know all the talk was more about bedard and i get it now he played yeah. great but he played two less games and had the same amount of points yeah and you know and so, you know what it is too guys like the key to winning any team winning is you've got to have a like a, a very clear uh, uh leader and when you can have a leader like Shane is, it's also far and away your best player. You know, you've got a chance to win. Now it's up to the front knacks to build around him accordingly, but that's a very hard thing to find. And uh, only championship mm -hmm. teams have it. And, uh, you know, Shane gives them that, that potential. So hopefully it works out for them. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, he's, 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 he's the one player now that, I mean, I, I'm obviously falling into the, the, the mass media perception of the kid, but I've I've drank the Kool Aid. I'm I'm a fan already, and I I'm really excited to see where this. I'm like I'm ready to skip this year's draft, not because of no knock to any of the kids who are there, but I'm really excited about Shane. I really am. I think yeah. he's gonna be an absolute superstar. So, no, I've drank the Kool Aid. Yeah, well, you know what, too, Ryan. Like if you met him, you would like like he he would make you feel good. You know what I mean? Like he's not a one of the the young kids that, and he have every reason to 
to have a big head and you know some arrogance but that's that's not him you know so his parents have done a great job there yeah so we've got a was good to hear we got a kid locally just drafted by uh by jersey uh dawson mercer played yes. well for, yep. for for team canada he's from yep. he's from he, he grew up uh five minutes from where i'm sitting right now yeah uh small town big time hockey town big yeah. time hockey's religion here and uh part of the tripen yeah again yeah, part of tripen yeah tripen tripen player but again i mean they, they always say oh yeah the comparables are this and that and he's a Tr- patrice bergeron style player that kind of 200 yeah. foot player but all everyone always goes back to the quality of person yeah the kind of guy he is i mean he got that newfoundland charm about him uh you know he's 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 a very easygoing cat but also a great leader uh really really cares about everybody on his team that all those those intangibles that that a lot of people think don't really matter but i I think that's what makes superstars well and and as we talked about at the start like playing triple a hockey in newfoundland is not easy you know with no god no especially the amount of travel so I'm sure, you know, he learned some humility there too. And, and uh, you know, that that's one of the great things that and I'm going to say this with a lot of respect, like, like hockey in Newfoundland is old school because kids play it because they like it. Guys coach it because they love coaching. Um, yeah. you know, there's not a lot of the, the uh, distractions that there are here in Ontario in the big cities. So, you know, when a player like that comes out of there, it doesn't surprise me. Yeah. 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 And so, and it's uh, it's just a, it is a great place. You do have a lot less of the, a uh, lot less people trying to chime in all the time. You yeah. still get your politics. You're going to get it wherever, it, wherever. But yeah, you're right. It's a very community based, very community based here. Yeah, yeah. you know, sometimes yeah. You, you can you can go to games in Toronto some nights, and I've done it over the years where you're, and it's not just Toronto, but you know, there's there's agents there. Uh, you know, the kids are trying to play. There's agents. There's you know, parents. There's there's bars upstairs. The parents are drinking. Um, there's scouts there. I mean, I was part of it as a scout and, and, you know, I used to sit back and wonder is like, you know, are these kids playing for the right reasons? <laughs> you know, like, are they just playing cause they love yeah. it or is it, is it because of everything else that's out there? And, uh, so yeah. I, I love hockey in its purest form. Like when you've got the small towns and again, people coaching for the right reasons, players playing yep. for the right reasons, there's genuine passion there. And, uh, that's sometimes right. that gets lost in the bigger cities. Yeah. I could see that. Yeah. No, hundred percent. Yeah. What do you got from Chad? I know you're dying there. I'm hogging spotlight here. Oh, that's all right. I don't need, I'm not, uh, I was going to say, uh, back with the 89 Peterborough Pete's you had uh, Ty Domi on that roster. Yep. How was that? How was he at the, as a junior player? That's like something I don't usually see much of. It's all Leafs and Winnipeg and Rangers. Yep. And, but what was yep. it like with the Pete's? You know what, Chad? I could write a book on Ty. We had him for three years. Yeah, I figured. And, uh, you know, it, it, the one thing I got to give Ty credit for, um, and, and I'll just go back to, to kind of why we drafted Ty, because that year prior to drafting Ty, we had a really good team, and, and we thought we were a pretty tough team. Um, Belleville beat us out in the conference finals, and uh, they had guys like you've probably never heard of, but Darren Moxham, Todd Hawkins. They were small, like not huge guys, but really tough, and uh, – we thought, man, like we might, we need somebody like that. And, and Ty was playing junior B in, in Windsor. And um, interestingly enough, his, his coach the previous year was uh, Marcel Pronovo, who's a Hall of Famer, played for the Leafs. But um, we drafted Ty. And, and uh, when he first came to Peterborough, his whole focus was fighting. And uh, I can still remember clear as day his first OHL fight. And uh, 
if, if, if you don't mind me, t- I, I can, I can ramble on here, but I'll tell you, take your time. It's a neat story. So we, we were playing in Kingston right at the start of the year. And uh, they had a guy by the name of Mark LaForge, who was far and away the toughest guy in, in the OHL. And we had a really tough team too. We had guys like Chris King and, and different guys, but before the game, they were talking, you know, just leave LaForge alone. Like, just don't just leave him. He doesn't, if, if you wake him up and, uh, so halfway through the conversation, I remember clear as day, Ty just looked up and said, who, who are you guys talking about? It's number 18 on Kingston. Just leave him alone. He's scary, tough. Ty was like 5'9 or whatever. And he just says, I'll look after him. Don't worry about him. And the guys are like, yeah, okay. <laughs> well, you know, first shift against him, Ty gave it to him. And we're like, whoa, we, we might have something here. But the problem with Ty, his first year, and if you look up his stats, he only played 18 games. And that was because we had a tradition in Peterborough that we used to run five miles in the mornings, uh, sometimes three, three days a week uh, in the fall. And, and we would go right up to when it snowed and no other team did that. And Ty used to tell us, you know, I can't, I'm not a runner, you know, I'm not doing it. And we say, well, if you don't do it, you don't play, you know, and, and no he way. thought that he could win. And uh, he'd say, until you start doing what we do, you're not playing. And uh, so we only played 18 games. And oh, that's yeah. And, and, and at one point he came to us and said, if you guys aren't playing me, I'm quitting, you know, and we said, okay, see you later. And an hour later he says, okay, I'll stay. Um, but the light went on and Ty started to work and, and he was far and away the toughest guy in the league, but he became a really good player. And uh, he played on a line his second or third year. His center was Mike Ricci and his left winger was a guy named Billy Heward, who was a heavyweight in the NHL as well. So we had Billy Heward on left wing had Mike uh, or uh, Ty on right wing. And then, you know, Reach was uh, free to do as he pleased, but uh, just Ty, Ty had a, 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 he was an athlete. So once he started working, he became a very good player, but I've never seen a guy that could intimidate like Ty and, uh, and he had a memory. And uh, I remember one night we we were playing uh, Windsor. We only played them twice a year. And he said, you know, tonight's the night. I'm going to get this guy on Windsor like he's dead, you know. And I said, why? Like, we've only played him once. And he looked at me and he says, you don't remember? Two years ago, he was lipping me in warm-up. <laughs> don't hold the grudge, though. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, he, he, he could say the right thing at the right time. Uh, he could back it up. And I can honestly say a lot of times we had games won before teams even got off the bus because they did not want to play him. And, uh, you know, people that didn't respect him, uh, he hurt them. And, uh, but he was a good player too. Like he, he could do more than just fight, but it, he, he had to learn how to maximize his ability. And he did and went on obviously to play over a thousand games in the NHL. So, but, but Chad, I, I could write a book on, on Thai stories and they're yeah, all I'd read it. And they're <laughs> all good. Like they're all good. He's, he, he was an entertainer. Yeah, how did he get tied up with the Argos? Didn't like that was the whole rumor that he could have he kicked a, for the Argos or something. He was a soccer player, you know. Yeah, was, that's well, right. I'll give you a, a, an example. We played in Windsor his first year, which is where he's from, and we put him in the lineup. And uh, halfway through the game in the old Windsor Arena, which it was a a really it was a tough Windsor's a tough town, and the and the old arena was right downtown. And I looked up in the crowd, and there was a like a fight going on, and and in the fight was Ty's father, and. Uh, he had a guy bent over a seat, you know, and, and uh, I, I said, Ty, like your, your dad's in trouble up there. And he looked, ah, he can take care of himself. So after the game, <laughs> I said, like, 
you know, if that's me, I'm probably got to go up into the stands because it's my dad, you know, and the yeah. guy looked at me and he said, hey, my dad escaped Albania dodging machine gun fire. So he goes, that's nothing. <laughs> yeah, that's the first one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so, so you know what? Genuinely tough, but uh, really good team guy and, and, uh, and became a really good player, underrated good player. Um, so he was a guy though when he left, I was sad to see him go because it's like, oh boy, teams are going to be looking for us now that Ty's gone. Yeah. That's right. Uh, payback there's time. Some there's some yeah. retribution coming. <laughs> yeah. but, you know, if you go through the history in Peterborough, we always had like tough teams and, and we had a lot of tough guys, you know, that, that came through here and, and that was always a mandate. So um, we weren't long replaced. Well, we could never replace them, but coming close anyways. It's hard to see uh, either Domi in a Habs uniform, I will admit. That was kind of, you know, it, it's, it was, it's stung. It's stung. It was great. I, I love seeing Max there, um, but but Ty, that one kind of, I didn't like Ty because that's a leaf, you know. That's it's, right. Yeah. You shouldn't be putting it on. But. No, no one liked that, not even Ty, but he took no, the picture no. anyway. Max yeah, liked but, it. That was it. Max had yeah, a charge of that. The shit yeah. you do for kids, man. But, but, you know, Ty, Ty is an entertainer and he understands, you know, the media and, and all that stuff. So um, he, he's an interesting guy, but uh, th- we had three good years and, he was a seventh round pick. Like he wasn't even an early pick to us. And uh, wow. so anyways, yeah, I could, like I said, I could write a book on him. <laughs> yeah, I believe it. Maybe you should. Yeah. Well, that could be one of those hockey bestsellers. You know, he, can, can I tell you one quick more like, so. Tell Tan if you want. Whatever, or, no, whatever you got. <laughs> this, this is how Ty was. So we went into Oshawa his rookie year. And that was a really that's a rivalry. That's a heated rivalry that, you know, we're only 45 minutes apart and teams hate each other. And those were really tough games, not for the faint of heart. And, uh, Oh yeah. Only a true turncoat would work for both franchises, but continue. Yeah, I know. I know. (laughs) But but anyways, we went in there and, and, uh, they had a guy, Tony Joseph was a, was a huge, big, tough guy and was Ty's first game. And Ty was coming off the ice and the benches used to be beside each other. And, and Tony Joseph was screaming at him how he was going to get him the next shift. And, you know, most young guys, when you're a rookie, you're going to stop and you're going to kind of, you know, stutter or say something back and then scoot off the ice. But Ty, I still remember to this day, Ty stopped before he was coming off. the ice, stopped, stared right at him. And he said, yeah, okay. Says, you know, next shift we'll go. But he said, I guarantee you, you're going to be eating your Christmas dinner out of a straw. And, and I remember, you know, Tony Joseph kind of sat down, but I was looking, I'm saying, man, that's a 17 year old kid that just said that, like, I can't, (laughs) I mean, so that, so there was nothing phony about him, you know, he, he was, he was genuinely legit tough. And again, a good player too. Yeah. Yeah. No, the skill set was obviously there and he passed on to a son and that, that was quite evident still is. Yeah. uh max to be able to play at the level he's played at along with his challenges to diabetes and the things that he's 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 battled through um, I, think he's gonna, I think he's really going to come back this year in columbus and have a better year he didn't have a great year but i think he's going to bounce back i think i don't think anybody had a good year in columbus to be no, fair no, no, you know yeah. no, they I got think... a little they got a little thing going on that they can turn it around i think next year i really think you're right i think it's gonna same thing with line i think he's gonna do it as well yeah, you, know, you can't cool. keep those players down long. I mean, it's, that's just that's just science. <laughs> you, you simply cannot. But, so. but what, what's really interesting is Pierre Luc Dubois, like, took. I mean, it may take him until next year to get going in Winnipeg too. Like that looked that's like right, a great yeah. trade for both teams, but neither one kind of worked out. But I think they both no. will. Oh, what are yeah, they? No, it's 24 years old. I mean, transplanting yeah. players that early in their career, 
and yeah. into established teams and established lineups. It's, it's not always, you know, a Gretzky trade to to Los Angeles. This is this takes a little bit of coaching. That's why there are coaches, you know, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, that's why they get yeah. exactly right. <laughs> that's right. And both coming out of like turbulent situations and yeah. moving in the middle of a pandemic, it's uh, it's kind yeah. of a hard year for everyone. And you know, yeah, I don't even treat it as a real year. I can't anymore anyway. Don't, don't makes me sleep better. No. In in talking <laughs> He's about throwing tough shade teams, all day. In talking about tough teams and amazing franchises, you had the opportunity to work for Oshawa later yep. after your time with the Peets, 30 years with the Peets, and uh and then went moved on to uh to Oshawa for a couple of years. Um uh, I'm curious. I mean, you came up through that system, you you knew everyone in the system, you were you were part of the system, you were the system for a long time. So what kind of reaction among your inner circle of hockey friends in 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 peterborough was it when you're like okay yeah no i'm gonna take the general manager's job with the oshawa generals well it was interesting because um you know after 30 years in peterborough they fired me you know they wanted well to, you didn't know anything yeah so you know that that's here and there but um so i really wasn't happy with how it ended and uh still have some bitterness there but uh the thing in Oshawa came about because Pete DeBoer and, and Adam Graves uh, uh, owned a big chunk of the generals. And, and you know, I was always, you know, Pete and I had a good relationship and uh, he kind of talked to me about coming back and uh, you know, Adam Graves was there and, and there's another guy, Rocco Tulio, who they were the three owners. And uh, you know, I thought, man, I don't, I didn't like the way it ended in Peterborough and, and uh, I'm going to do this. And I was very fortunate because Don Maloney, who was the coach or the general manager in, in Arizona, and, and uh, you know, he gave me permission to talk to them. And, and to this day, I, I don't know how often this happens, but Don told me, he said, if this doesn't work out in Oshawa, you can always come back. Mm-hmm. So I had a safety net, which was incredible. But, uh, you know, <laughs> I went to Oshawa and uh, I remember looking at my wife after it's like man this is different like and and you know I had a, a, a they gave me a like a jacket with the Oshawa Generals I put it on I was like man that that feels weird you know but mm-hmm. the funny part was that the fans in Oshawa um, were were great you know they they were really good and and uh, I bought a place uh, right downtown um, the people there were really good to me and and it got I mean when you think 20 years prior to that, I wouldn't even let my wife shop in Oshawa. Like, <laughs> yeah, seriously, like it, it was hatred, you know, and, yeah. and to be working for them um, was strange, but it was such a historic franchise. And, and the people that had come through there, like, you know, a guy by the name of Wayne, da- Wayne Daniels, who, who was a general manager there, Sherry Basson, uh, you know, there's such a history there that I was so, I just felt I'm, I'm the luckiest guy. I was with Peterborough and, and now I'm in Oshawa. Um, but, you know, and I had free reign there. So we, we, we hired DJ Smith, obviously he's with Ottawa now as our first coach and, and him and I were worked really well together. And, uh, um, you know, I don't think that year we lost a game to Peterborough too, which was even better. And, uh, just funny story on that. My wife, she's French Canadian. So she has a long memory and her, her, uh, uh, you know, bitterness towards Peterborough still to this day, but she went to DJ Smith, who was living in Oshawa by himself. And she said, listen, every time you beat Peterborough, you get a home cooked meal. So DJ was like, you're on. And I don't think we lost a game that year. So, so and the one night we we beat them in a playoff game one night and, and she had told him, if you win this game, you get brownies. So 
you know, after the game we won and DJ's like, Where, where's Nicole? Where's my brownies? She won't even set foot in the rink. So I said, I don't know, maybe she forgot. So we get on the rink, they're on the bus and there they were, all the brownies were there. She delivered them to the bus and went right home. <laughs> she, she <laughs> no way. Went so, um, so there was a lot of fun there. And, and, uh, you know, after a couple of years, the ownership kind of changed and, uh, I took Don Maloney up on his offer and went back to Arizona. So it all worked out. I was, I, I miss Oshawa cause I really liked it there, but, uh, um, very fortunate to spend a couple of years there. Yeah. I'm yeah. curious, when, when you talk about Smith, uh, cause I, fi I find him to be one of the more interesting characters in hockey currently, because, I'm, I mean, I followed junior hockey as much as anybody in this, uh, this side of the country where we don't get it anymore. We had the Fog Devils for a couple of miserable years, but yeah, yeah. Uh, we don't get an opportunity to watch a lot of it because it's just simply not televised. And so we follow primarily through the box scores and everything else. And I'll be first to admit when, when the Leafs hired Smith as an assistant coach, I said, who? Yeah, I, I, the, the name just didn't. I was like, I think I heard the name, but I, I just I didn't. I had to, I had to do my research, but some, most yeah. of the time I usually got a fair idea where where a coach comes from, uh, and I didn't really know. And I was like, okay, I guess this is just a, a one off or a guy who's just going to come in and disappear into the into the abyss sooner than later. Uh, but sure enough, he he had great success there with the Leafs. He 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 made them better. I got no question of that in my mind. He made that team better. Uh, to the point where it was taken note of. Um, his career spoke for itself. He had a, he had a good junior career. Um, but what is it about about DJ as a as a coach that that makes him as good as he is currently? Because I mean, he's got a super young team. Yeah, he's he's far and away, Ryan. I would say the best coach that I was ever involved with. And just to backtrack, when I started the process in Oshawa, you know. I said to the ownership, I said, I'm going to really take my time on this because I got to have an open mind. I'm going to interview as many people as I can. So I inter interviewed 25 guys, which is a lot, you know, to go through that process 25 times is a lot. Yeah. I, I, I met DJ in Windsor one night. He was the second guy I interviewed. And I still remember driving home that night. And my wife was asking me, you know, how'd it go? And I said, I, I just interviewed the next Dale Hunter, you know, who I have so much respect for with, with the London Knights. It's high he, praise. Yeah, he, he, well, first of all, he's a great guy to work with because he is the funniest human being on the face of the planet. <laughs> he, is, <laughs> he is so funny, um, but he's all business too. And, you know, he's, he's got genuine passion for coaching. It, it's 24 seven for him. So he's, he's current. Um, he, he's very relatable to the young guys, like the, the players, they relate that everybody loves him as a, as a, as a player because he was a player. He played for the St. John's, for the Leafs there for a long time. Yes. Yeah. You know, so he, he bases a lot of what he does on how he would have reacted as a player. Um, but he can be hard um, on guys, but he's also very close to the players. So, um, so it's, it's a combination of things, Brian, like it, it, it's his passion, which is genuine. Like a lot of these guys coaching now, I see it's all about getting to the next level and you know, trying to, it, it's ego based a lot, not all of them, but, but a lot of in the hockey, yeah. DJ is, it's just hockey to the point where it's, you know, in Oshawa, I used to have to grab his suits every Monday and take them to the dry cleaner because he didn't care. He'd just take them and throw them and I'd go get them dry clean. So they were pressed for him. So he looked <laughs> that decent, but there's nothing phony about him. And uh, when he was going to Ottawa, Pierre Dorian called me just to, just to get my opinion on what he was like to work for. And my sense was Pierre had a little bit of hesitation, but because he wasn't a big name, you know, and I, and I remember saying to Pierre, like, well, what does your gut tell you? And he said, well, my gut tells me he'd be a good fit. 
I said, well, trust me, you can trust your gut. So working with him for two years was incredible. And I'll tell you a story like this. This is how DJ thinks. It's all about the team. He's a loyal guy. Um, he came to me one time and he said, uh, are, are you coming with us on the, we're going up to Sudbury and Barry. And I said, yeah, I'm going to come. He says, uh, why don't you go on the bench with, with me? And I said, well, I haven't coached for like 20 years. And he said, no, just come on the bench. You know, I said, I, I don't want to do that. You know, and then I got thinking about it. And I said, you know, as a general manager, it'd be good for me to reinforce kind of how hard it is and how fast it is. And it looks easy up at that. Mm-hmm. So I went to him, I said, you know what, I'm going to do it. So how many coaches in junior hockey particularly are going to invite their GM to come on the bench with them? In any hockey. Yeah. Any yeah. Hockey. So we, the, the, relation, know, the relationship is fickle from time at time, most of the time to begin with. There's a lot of tension, you know, in a lot, in a lot of teams. It's, it's well known. Uh, having that relationship with your coach must have been incredible, to be honest. Yeah. And, and yeah, he, hey, boss, look over my shoulder. And he would listen, like, you know, and, and he would listen to my suggestions and either agree or disagree, whatever. I mean, but. But the, the one thing I tell people all the time about DJ, and, and I tell, um, I, I've got a son-in-law that's a fairly high-level soccer coach, and I said, you know, the one thing about DJ that separates him, he believes in his mind he's the best coach in the NHL. Like, now, whether he is or he isn't, that's irrelevant, but in his mind, he is. And you yeah. know, that translates down to the players, and, and players love playing for him. I mean, you see Brady Kachuk, like, he's not going anywhere. <laughs> he, he wants no. to DJ, you know, so... Yeah. so it's a long-winded answer, but you know he's a really special, special person, special coach. So, um, as I said, interviewed twenty-five guys. I, I went back to him like three times because I kept thinking this can't be, you know. And I go back and try and catch him on something. I'd say, "Well, what would you do in this situation?" Like, geez, everything. That's exactly what I'd do. That's what I was looking for, you know. So, um, he, he's really good. He's got he's got a long, bright future in the NHL. Yeah, I was kind of surprised when he got hired a little bit because. Uh... I think Melnick was after making fun of the Maple Leafs defense and DJ yeah. Smith, I think was the defensive coordinator. Yeah. Next thing you know, he got hired as the head coach. I was like, well, that was kind of unexpected. Well, I mean, it was egg Melnick's egg. a bit of a crackpot, but I mean, it you was, know, it was totally it worked out Melnick's face anyway, because he, he made fun of the Leafs defense and he hired their defensive coach as their head coach and then traded for Ron Hainsey and Nikita Zaitsev. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, know, right? <laughs> like, and both, both turned out to be great, great, great ads for, for, for the, uh, Senator, so and like Connor Brown, let's not forget that he's like another defense influence, too. You know, and and uh, um, I had an ex player goalie that I brought into Oshawa, uh, Zach Burke, who was an ex NHL goalie as well. Yep. And uh, he's outstanding at what he does. And, and Ottawa hired him two or three months ago, uh, hired him away from Arizona. And that was DJ, like he, you know, he recognizes guys that are good at what they do. So, um, he's a, he's a special guy. Ottawa's a great, they're a fun team to watch, like a slow start this year early on but once they figured it out man they they were in every game and and they're fun to watch they gave everybody fits everybody everybody they played the north division they gave everybody fits later in the year they were an unpredictable team they're highly highly skilled those young guys the bathersons the norrises the guys who people haven't heard of before that anybody who's been watching hockey knows these names but these Mm -hmm. guys are just not lucky good They've yeah. been good for a long time and now they've developed them properly and man, they got a team. Yeah. It's, it's going to be really interesting to watch that team. They've got a chance to be really good. So, yeah, you know, everything keeps working well around DJ because that's one area they got no worries about. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I, uh, I picked them in the very first pilot terrible episode. You don't have to watch it, but I'll let you know. I did pick them to be a little bit of a dark horse and be, uh, be like, you know, 
you don't know what's coming out of these guys because they have literally are a bunch of misfits and they have nothing to lose. And if they yeah. find some chemistry, they're going to do some damage. And I'm, you know, being a Toronto fan, it's going to be hard to watch next year. I mean, I mean, I'm dreading it. But you, you but, know, uh, Chad, it's going to be interesting too because they're so young and the expectations are going to change this year. Um, well, so, exactly. Yeah. We've we've seen that as Leafs fans. It was really cute the year that Matthews and Mariner and Nylander came into the league. Oh, how cute is this? Yeah. I mean, oh, you got a guy, he's always oh, putting up 30, 40 goals. Oh, that's so cute. Look at this little guy who can make all the passes. So cute. Look at the, look at the little Swedish kid with the nice hair. So cute. Us, and then just outlined to Chuck and Batherson's, yeah. you know, yeah. Morris, battlers. You know, Shabbat, like there's there's some, so it, they're poised to be really good long-term. Yeah. Right? And and I think DJ can manage the expectations. And I think, you know, he he's going to be fine. But again, it's just going to be everything around them. You just hope that, you know, You've got the because listen, Rome wasn't built in a day, obviously. No, we fans know. Um, <laughs> so or you gotta have years. some patience there, yeah. yeah. And that's the thing, Matt Murray's got to hold it down as well. And but uh, if, if all these guys connected to you going to Ottawa, why don't they just complete the set and get Jeff on the go? Well, you know what, it, it would be great, but that's that's one thing about the, the senators, they've got a really good scouting staff there, obviously, yeah. they've drafted well, and yeah. uh. You know, they don't need any help. So, but that's, that's the team. It'd be nice to be part of, but again, their, their history, Trent Mann is the, is the head scout there. He's done a really good job. So yeah, I used to watch uh, Josh Norris play street hockey and uh, across the street from my parents' house as a toddler. Yeah. As, uh, Norris's son, right? The ex- yeah. They grew up across the street from me. Okay. And, uh, so it was pretty cool seeing those come, those guys come back in the summer and seeing two little kids and me and my brother, like, It'd be cool if, like, you know, they played in the NHL one of these days because yeah. their dad, like, should have and never really. So, yeah. yeah, and he's doing really well for himself. Oh yeah, he's a good player. So. He's excellent. Yeah, yeah. Well, like I said, when I when I, when I started taking notice of the Senators this year, I was never one for Senators hockey. I was all, I mean, I, I I'm still booing and Daniel Alfredson. You know, like I I was never yeah. a fan. I I like, and this is a mouthful for me to say, and it kind of turns my stomach a little bit. But I'm a bigger Canadians fan than I am a Senators fan. Like okay. I really dislike the Senators. That Battle of Ontario back in back in when I was growing up, back in when it was at us, you know, hottest Chris Neal, you know, the throwing the stick over the glass, Daniel Alfredson, the whole like that whole era in, is is my hockey growing up, and uh, I'll never be a Senators fan. But I was kind of forced into it this year to watch some of their games because I was just so hungry for hockey. Yeah. Uh, I found myself tuning in for the odd Ottawa Vancouver game or whatever, and seeing yeah. Norris center the second or the, t- the top line. Uh, he didn't look one bit out of place at all, so I'm really excited to see where he goes. Yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be interesting. It'll be fun to watch for sure, especially again when the expectations change. No, yeah, that's not right. Yeah. Anybody next year, they're not going to sneak up on anybody. You know. No, they've been a, they've been. And the Atlantic goes team. back into form too. Yeah, they've been a well managed team and they've drafted well. I mean, the trades, all the good players that we're talking about here, all came via a trade of some sort that got him a draft pick or got him a. I mean, Tim Stutzel should never be an Ottawa senator. No, anyway, oh, if you look at the uh, the culture that was been coming out of Ottawa for the last few years, it's hard to get good players to go to that. You know, it's just been trouble after trouble after trouble, and the rink is still an hour outside. And like, you know, it looked like it was really, you know, going down the the crapper, and it's like yeah. now it's they you know, the players have turned it around, and DJ Smith has turned it around. And he he's a guy too. Like players talk, and and yeah. you know, he's a guy that guys like to play for. You know, and and uh, you know, and and in in a in a cap. Uh, league like it is now draft drafting and developing is so crucial you know and and uh, they've got their farm or their american league team right in belleville which is i don't know an hour and a half away whatever it is very close 
Um, so they're, they're poised to be pretty good. And, and, you know, again, draft and develop, that's such a key factor now in the, in, in the cap world, especially flat cap for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. So they, they are poised to be pretty good. Yeah. You need stuff in the cupboards to come cheap when you need them. Yeah. And now they got uh, what Pierre Maguire just got hired. Yeah, yeah. I seen that. That was kind of an odd hire for me. I wasn't expecting that either. No, I his, uh, yeah. I mean, the, so, the guy knows knows the prospects. There's no doubt about that. He 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 thrives on that. He loves to tell people how much he's he had a great hockey career as well, though. Right? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah so, it's interesting the dynamics with him and Pierre Dorian. Like you just hope that you know everybody stays in their lane and and uh, park their egos because they've got a chance exactly. And, and sometimes that can you know, that can ruin everything. So hopefully that doesn't happen. Um, and under Melnick at the end of the day. Yeah. So yeah, it's not easy. No, it isn't. Involved but, for sure. But uh, like I said, I got so much respect for how they draft and develop and yeah. uh, DJ as a coach. So they're, they're a good team to watch. I'm glad we got for Canadian hockey. Stock, Cause I, again, he's one of those guys who fascinated me a little bit of time. Yeah. I spent with the Leafs. I found, I found him to be a fascinating guy, you know, yeah. Um, he didn't really have the tools that uh, that he would have needed to put together an A plus defense. If he had the defensive core that we have currently with the TJ Brodies and the Jake Muzzins and the yeah. Zach Bogosians, and you're familiar with Zach, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Um, these these guys, I think, if they can bring back all six that we 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 had this year, uh, I think we got a competitive team again in in the fall. I really think that the team underperformed against Montreal somehow, but it wasn't a defensive problem. First time in eons of my playoff watching career as a Leafs yeah. fan that, that defense was not even something I even it didn't it didn't touch my lips you know so but it's, it, it's it's really like when you get up 3-1 and I think they talked about it in the series they just didn't you know put their put their their foot on the throat you know and and that's, that's right they got no killer instincts yeah and and uh you know I I love I love what Mark Bergevin did in in Montreal like and you go back a couple of years when he made that trade. And I've talked about this before when he traded for Shea Weber and the heat he took for trading PK Subban. Yeah. I, I mean, myself from a distance, it's easier. I said, I would make that trade all day long. I'd make it. Now. Yeah. But, but for, for Mark Bergevin to do that in Montreal, that took big balls to do that. Ooh, you know? Oh, That's absolutely. Balls. And, and he did it, you know, and, yep. and, uh, so I have, I, I don't know Mark Bergevin. I've met him a couple of times, but, you know, and they say he's, he might even be, he might challenge DJ for, for the funniest human, <laughs> you know, he's apparently, <laughs> yeah. but, but I think yeah. he's done a great job of, of looking forward and seeing what's successful in the playoffs. Like, you know, adding Ben Sherratt, Shea Weber, you know, guys like that, like that, that, that was a playoff ready team. And, and yeah. part of the problem and I'm kind of rambling, but for the Leafs, the season was probably easier than it should have been, you know, and, and when they got it, got a little tougher for them, they weren't ready for it. They didn't have enough adversity during the season. I don't think, right. you know, to, 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 to really be able to lean on it when they had to Montreal. I mean, they, they just snuck into the playoffs at the end there. So they were, and, they, I know. you know, and the Tavares decapitation kind of took the steam out of uh, game one altogether. I find right. like the heart left the building that day, yes. but, yeah, you can't no. underestimate that because John Tavares was such a he, he's a pivotal guy for that team. So yeah. you're right. You can't you can't underestimate the loss of, of him. It was I'm a traumatic sure. sight for everybody, not just for him. And they just watching that whole wobble. It's just like, yeah. okay, nobody needs to see that now. And let's let's move yeah. on to game two. Yeah. 
I'm, I'm curious of your take. I mean, I know your general manager career didn't, you didn't have to work with a, a cap system like general managers in the NHL do, but what's your take on, on the, on the uh, Toronto situation there where they've got all that money invested up front. I mean, I'm a, I'm a, I'm still a fan. I'm, I'm still, I'm not, I'm not convinced yet that it's not a, a, a something that can work. But what's your take on the, the top four eating up so much of that cap? Well, first, first of all, in junior, Ryan, you, you don't work under a salary cap, but in a small market, you somewhat do because yeah. you're limited. You know, we couldn't, I mean, let's be honest. There's, there's deals that are made under the table. There's rules, you know, not every team follows them. We, we had to follow them. So we were basically a small market cap team. We could only do so much. So we had to be creative. Um, um, and, and work a little harder and find different ways. We had to go out to Newfoundland and find Daniel Ryder, you know, like things like yeah. that. So, so we were a very small market. This is a small city here in Peterborough. Um, but I, I'm not convinced that, that, that it's going to work in Toronto with those four guys, like with that much money tied up in them. I, I, and Kyle Dubas is a smart guy. He's a young guy. He's very smart. Um, wasn't too long in junior. Um, but I, you know, I just don't know why they gave Nylander the money they did. And, and I know it, it looks like it's not a bad deal now, but, um, you know, he, he didn't have any leverage, really. And, and That's right. you know, they, yeah. they kind of caved to him, which surprised me. Um, and those guys are all elite players, no question. They're, they're good players. But I just, I don't know. I think you've got to spread that money out like you. You, you see the really good teams, like a team like Boston, you've got your top players taking less money to win, you know, um, until they get that mentality. And one of the things I worry about in Toronto, there's so many distractions there and you're yeah. put on such a pedestal. And I think it was Wendell Clark or somebody said it once that, you know, you're never as good as you think you are and you're never as bad as you think you are, but they're on such a pedestal there. And, and, uh, there's so many distractions that it's, it's really hard. And, uh, the teams like Boston or even, even a team like Pittsburgh, Sidney Crosby took less, you know, to give his team a chance. Well, I don't see anybody in Toronto taking less. I see no, and, more, you know, and we got Zach Hyman. This thing is dragging on apparently and, according to Friedman. Yeah. And that's going to be interesting because that's a guy that yeah. I wouldn't want to lose, but he, can't, no, you need that. You, you can't like, he can't cheat himself that like for, to fit him in, he's going to be grossly underpaid. Right. So, um, so that's why I'm not sure it's going to work with all those guys eating up that much cap space, but um, we'll see. Yeah. No. Yeah. And, and that's, that's, I guess that's kind of the mentality of the whole, the whole hockey world. Everyone's kind of look, looking at this. I guess the, the only way we'll know is if we could fast forward another five years here and see what's on, what's on the other side, because it's, it's really been, it's not been done before. I think that's yeah. why, why everyone's so curious about how this is going to shake out because it's so, they're so top heavy. Um, and, and, and let's face it, the cupboard is not full of prospects that are ready to jump in outside of Nick Robertson, Rasmus Sandin, who's not really a prospect. He got a a part of a year in, uh, there's not a lot of guys down there who are going to be sitting on entry level deals for three or four years that you're going to be able to take advantage of. And we go back to draft and develop, right. And, and it's all about, you need those picks, but, uh, um, I forget what the stat was, but somebody came up with a stat, like of the top 30 highest paid players in the NHL or whatever the number was, you know, as the playoffs went on, there was only like two of them still playing, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And so um, I really admire the Boston Bruins and what they do, you know, with Marchand and, and the culture they've built there with Berge, Bergeron and, and uh, you know, they lost Chara, but just that culture and 
that's how you win building that culture having players that you know they're willing to they'll do whatever they have to do to win winning is the priority and until they get that in toronto and maybe they will in time but until they do that it's first and foremost um i think it's going to be a struggle just because it's such a huge stage there it's the uh, and also it's the taxes the canadian taxes kind of steer like that's what's driving up the big salaries you eat up that one set cap and yeah. they got to like matthews is probably going to clear the same amount of money as uh I don't know, Kutrov. Yeah. No, there's or some less. truth to that. Yeah, if you're in Florida, right. obviously, you're, or Texas, yeah. it's, it's a lot less for sure. So. Right, so there's also that to consider. I think it was, uh, if he was in Vegas, his salary would be like $8.8 million, I think it was. Yeah. So it's uh, th- that's also a funny thing there, too. It's just, you know, it's the cap, and this is what it is. But, but think of it, this, this too. If, if, if you go in there, take a little less, and do what you have to do to win, and you ultimately win, and you don't have to worry about working the rest of your life because no guys like Dougie Gilmore or, or, or Ty Domi, you, you know, and not all, they're not all high profile guys. If you played for the Leafs, there's a lot of opportunities for the rest of your life. And if you're yes. on a winning team, you're set. Well, we've yeah, known- these guys are best friends with Justin Bieber. I mean, yeah. you're doing okay. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they're they're going to be okay. Um, yeah. And that's what we've been saying on this podcast forever. It's just Jason Spezza, one of the greatest players of our generation, continually taking league men deals you know full well the writing's on the wall for him in the front office when this is all said and done when he chooses not to play anymore that's already been pre-established at least that's my opinion i have nothing to back that up with folks but that's my opinion is that that man is going right from the skates into a suit and and front and center in some sort of player development yeah uh, status like you said about jj smith he's there he's there for hockey and hockey only yeah and and let's not canonize Jason Spezza is a saint yet. You're right. Like he's taken less, but there's opportunities that are going to come his way for sure. So. And he's done. He's done all right. You know, yeah. leading yeah. up to that, he's doing okay. Yeah. I don't feel bad for Spezza. No, no. <laughs> I am loving it for our cap situation. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So I guess we've been talking NHL hockey now for a better part of 20 minutes. Um, we got to talk about your time in Arizona. So I mean, seven years is not uh, is not a cup of tea. That's not a cup of coffee. That's a, that's that's quite a quite a large chunk of your your professional career in hockey. Um, take us through first and foremost how you ended up with that opportunity. Like who 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 was it that brought you in, uh, and how did that arise, and and your reaction to the, the opportunity to finally get a chance to, to to work at the highest level. And then of course we want to talk about some of the some of the players that you were in, impactful in drafting. So yep. make sure to. Yeah, well, I, I got it. When I got fired in Peterborough, it was just luck because uh, Arizona had had let their, they had a scout in Ontario, they had let go. And Don Maloney, again, was uh, the general manager. I've known Don, he's a little older than me, but we grew up in the same town and uh, his parents and my parents were very close growing up. So um, have a long history with Don and just happened, you know, and, and whether you have those histories or not, they don't create jobs for you. It just was luck that you know, they needed somebody and Don knew me and, and uh, brought me in. And I thought, you know, yeah, NHL scouting, it's, this will be great because um, in, in junior, you can sometimes go 12 hour days at tournaments, you know, you're all day at NHL. It's one, one day, one uh, game a day. This will be easy. Then you start realizing, you know, it's a whole different ball game up there. It probably took me a year to, to, to really get a feel for, um, you know, scheduling. Um, I was a lot of the rinks I was going into out West or in Quebec, I'd never been before. So once you kind of get a feel for the buildings, the leagues, you start to, you know, it, it was good. I, 
I really liked it there. I, I enjoyed Arizona. If you've ever been to, to Phoenix or to Arizona at all, it, it's, it's one of the best. I could have stayed there forever. I, I love going there. And, 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 you know, after seven years, you, you know, you know, the PR people, you know, the trainers, you're, you're part of it, you feel part of it. And uh, um, it, it, it was great. Like, and, and I could see it, you know, I could see it as an, as an organization that if they could get some solid ownership and get some continuity in there, um, who wouldn't want to play there? I mean, it's mm. every day, it's a blue sky, you know, it's, uh, yeah. it's, it's, it's like every day is the weekend you know yeah the uh, summer all day yeah so it, it was it, it was great i i loved it and then you know oh, they made whole some... austin matthews is not watching this podcast anyway continue <laughs> well, you know, a point about austin matthews we, we had a, a development camp for our for our young draft picks the one year and uh we were sitting there in july and and i looked down and i said pretty sure that's austin matthews he he was going into his draft year and uh he was there i think he was there for like three straight days watching and he was going to get drafted the next year. So he was just a young guy, but he was there. So that kind of tells you he's, he's focused on it. Um, but it, it, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful place. I, I loved it there. Um, near the end, they brought in some people that kind of had different philosophies than mine. And, and it was a, it was a incredibly difficult decision, but um, in 2018, I think it was November. I just, you know, I, I just called John Chike and I said, I, I'm I'm out you know I can't be part of this and uh yeah you know they got into some trouble after that with you know some of the things they were doing for the draft and just that's right yeah you know some of the trades just it didn't it not that it was right or wrong but it didn't go with what I valued in in an organization and how to run a team and it didn't make me right but it just I I just couldn't stay there the difficult when you when you walk away they don't pay you so yeah yeah better to get fired because then they would have had to pay me but when i did oh, it, no way i did it on my own they don't pay you but it was a for me it was an ethical thing and and uh i i walked away and and they're very proud of what we did there we had i was actually the assistant director of amateur scouting an ex leaf tim bernhardt was was the director uh who is one of the best scouts i've ever been around i learned so much from him and we were we were really getting to a point there if they had a left the staff we had alone we, we were really doing some good things there, drafting. Everybody knew their role. Everybody knew what we were looking for, how we did it. And uh, so to walk away was difficult. Um, I have no regrets about doing it, but it wasn't easy. So, um, but the seven years there were, were good. We had some good players, some good drafts. Unfortunately, most of them have been traded. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. Organizations. <laughs> yeah. yeah it's a funny yeah. one there. The, the the key piece uh, it always sticks out obviously i mean it's it's uh it's a one of he's gonna be a franchise player i'm i'm guessing he's still young but uh, clayton keller i mean yeah. you guys must have been over the moon that that guy was still available when it come to your time to select it eh? yeah we, we were lucky too like I, I had seen clayton when i was in uh oshawa i had seen him in a in a tournament somewhere in michigan when you know even before um he went to the program in ann arbor and then when he was in ann arbor I was lucky because he can get there easy from Ontario. So I saw him a lot and we didn't draft him just because of me. We, we had, you know, multiple looks by many people on our staff, but I was lucky. I saw him a lot and, and Tim saw him a lot. And, and uh, you know, we, we kind of had him targeted and we kind of had a feeling he was going to be there. And then when he was, yeah, he's, he's a good player. You know, I, I don't know if they've rushed him a little bit there. Maybe he should have maybe stayed a little bit longer in school, but uh you know, he's still, he's, he's a good player with a really bright future. Mm. So smart, so creative and competitive. Yeah. And, uh, he's a good player. 
Yeah. Well, yeah. same with Jacob Chipperin. I mean, uh, I think he he's he's a prime example of a defenseman who could have benefited from another little bit of time either in minors or wherever you want. But it seems like they might have pulled him into the system a little quick in trying to build something fast. Yeah. But I mean, what an exceptional, exceptional player. You know. Yeah. He and and you know, there's another guy I had a history with, and I, you know, just because I had a history, that's not why we drafted Jacob Chickering. I mean, it's it's a staff, you know. But I saw. I first met Jacob when he, again, I was in Oshawa. I think it was in Oshawa. He, he was playing for Detroit Little Caesars and I was at a tournament and down again in Michigan again. And, and uh, Larry Kelly, who was a, a sports agent lawyer, one of the most respected lawyer agents in the business uh, represented his father, Jeff Chickren. And uh, so he came to me in Michigan he was there and he said, Hey, why don't you come and meet Jacob? And I went and met him and I, when he walked away, I looked at Larry Kelly. I said, that kid's 14. Like he wasn't, he wasn't even eligible for the OHL draft at that point. And uh, so we watched him play. He came into Toronto the next year to play and triple uh, a watched him there. Um, went to Sarnia first overall, watched him a lot there. And uh, you know, we moved up to get him in the draft, paid a huge price, but uh, uh, got him. And uh, yeah, he's, he, he's a specimen. I mean, he's, he's a big, strong guy that can skate, shoot the puck, you know, just again, you, you just got to get the pieces around him. Tough part in Arizona. They've got so many eight uh, unrestricted guys on their blue line that, you know, I don't know. I don't know how they're going to compliment him that Bill Armstrong's got his work cut out for him. I mean, I'm sure he'll figure it out, but um, Jacob, he, he can, he can be a one, two defenseman on most teams in the NHL for sure. Yeah, uh, that doesn't that doesn't that opinion doesn't surprise me at all. Watching him play, he's just he's so fluid in the way he skates, moves the puck. The hockey IQ is clearly there. Uh, yeah, no, uh, Phoenix has always been a bit of an, an enigma for me in that sense because, like you said, they have made some they've made some good trades. Uh, they've made some other questionable trades. Well, the biggest questionable trade that I, that I wanted to ask you about it would have been during your time there as well. I might as well flash the picture up on the screen so we can see it. Give me a second to share this screen because uh, I'm going to say in the, in the short history, well, not a short history, I guess uh, the, uh, the coyote has been around a while, yep. but the one that made the most noise obviously would have been the, uh, the Taylor Hall trade. And yep. uh, I mean, Nick Merkley, uh, now correct me if I'm wrong. He was a late first rounder. I think, 30th, I think overall. Yeah. And yeah. He's, he's playing for Jersey now. Yeah. Yeah. So, Again, he was kind of brought into the system a little, a little quick and and whatnot too, and a lot of expectations because he had that number one or, or first round draft pick attached to him. The problem but, with I mean, him too, though, he he had a couple of of really serious knee injuries that he overcame. And, yeah. Uh, for him to be playing in Jersey right now, credit to him because those were serious knee injuries, and uh, he got himself back to the point now he's an NHL player. Yeah. No, absolutely. I'm curious to see how his trajectory goes because of that, because a lot of people, you know, one injury, one bad season as a 20 year old kid and, 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 and they brush you off as a, as, as a total bust first round bust. Right. Yeah, but, uh, but yeah, no, he's, he's got, he's got a lot of upside. And of course there was a, uh, there was a 2020 first round pick included in that trade as well. So I'm wondering, Dubis will wait and get him. Yeah. So around a team at that time, uh, Jeff, like what, what was the, what was the consensus was, was it, we need to get this guy because we actually think we've got a shot at this or is it because I mean, there was no real indication that there was any sign that Taylor was interested in staying in Phoenix and it was quite the price tag to pay for him. The problem was, um, and, and, you know, we weren't brought into a lot of those conversations, you know, a lot of times trades were made and we found out about it, (laughs) you know, and I think, 
at that point I had left, I think it was the year I left. So I, but historically they didn't, they didn't, you know, John Chaika was very guarded in what he shared and didn't get a lot of opinions on things, but you know, a player, one of the guys that's underrated in that trade is Kevin Ball. I mean, he's a world junior six foot six defenseman. Um, you know, I don't think they appreciated what he is going to be capable of doing. I mean, you look at a guy like Logan Stanley in Winnipeg, um, there's some similarities with, with Kevin and, and we drafted him in the second round, uh, with the coyotes because we really lack some size on the blue line. And, and you see now how important that is. Like you can't have a small, you, you gotta be able to move and, 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 but Kevin ball can skate too. He's just a guy that's got to grow into his body, but he's got about a 10 foot wingspan and, <laughs> and defends really well. And as a rookie this year, he got into games with, with New Jersey. So that's, that's a, that's a six foot six defenseman that can skate. Uh, Nate Schnarr is a big center. That's really smart. And if you look up his numbers, he just progressively got better and better. We got him in the third round. I think he's a, he's a three, four center at some point for New Jersey. Cause he's so smart and he's, and he's got size um, and he's had a history of putting up good numbers. So just to see, again, I had walked away because of, I could see potential for stuff like that happening, but to see those guys go from a scouting perspective, that was hard. And, and, you know, I, I could accept it if you thought you were close to winning, you know? Um, but I think the, the goal there at the time was to kind of speed up the process uh, towards winning. Uh, but that never works. You've got to go through the process. And uh, so they gave away some significant pieces there. And, uh, you know, Taylor Hall had a, a really good history in junior of winning, but, his history in the NHL until this year with Boston, really, there's no playoff success there. Um, so his team always wins the first mm -hmm. overall draft pick. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> so uh, anyways, you know, again, I had just left, but I, I just, it, it just, I did not feel good about that trade because again, as scouts, you understand what your role is. You've got to find players. And at the NHL level, players are assets that you use, you know, either it's currency, whatever you want to, it, call it but to, to win at the nhl level or to acquire pieces to help you win um but you don't win without depth and when you're eating away at your depth all the time it just you're not going to win so no. i saw it personally from a distance as a as a significant step back and uh, i think that's what it's turned out to be yeah, and i thought it would, could have been like are they trying to bring in a marquee name for attention like you know, like, is it a marketing thing? Yeah, is it a ticket yeah. sale thing? That's exactly what I Because it wasn't a hockey too. thing. Yeah, it didn't seem like a hockey thing. Winning's going to bring people in. Yeah. You know, yeah, and... you've got a vision where you're trying to get to, and you've got to understand, like, there's a process here. We have to go through. You can't circumvent the process. You, you'll never win that way. And, and uh, again, Ottawa's a prime example. They're, they're, mm -hmm. they're growing as a group. And uh, they're not, I mean, at some point they're going to have to give away some guys when they're close to winning, but I think they know where they're at now. And with Arizona, it was just, you're cheating the process. It doesn't work. So, yeah. It's too bad. Yeah. It's, from a scouting perspective, it's bad because we really believed in those guys. Like Kevin Ball was a player. Right. We really wanted them. And uh, yeah. cause those guys are hard to find. And, and, you know, again, we look at Montreal, big defense. You look at Tampa, big defense, mm -hmm. you know? So we were tr trying to, follow that model and and when you got a six foot six guy sitting there in the second round and played in ottawa for a coach andre Trigny, 
who was a world junior coach, who's one of the best coaches in junior, were like, this guy can't help but get better, <laughs> you know? That's right. So, so <laughs> Stop playing not to get better. Yeah. yeah. So unfortunately he did get better, but now he's going to play for somebody else. So that, that was a scouting logic. Yeah. Yeah. So anyways, thanks for flashing that up there, Ryan made my night. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it might. I was like, what can I do here to piss Jeff off? Oh, I got it. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. it, uh, it, it, it was one of those ones, like I said, a total head scratcher for me. I mean, there's always one or two of those trades that come around every other year and you're like, but, but why? But that one was always one of those ones that just stood out to me as a team giving up a lot for a player who's undoubtedly worth it. Like you said, if you're one piece away or two pieces yeah. away from winning, if you're that good, and I just didn't feel like Arizona was even not even close, remotely close to that. No, really. no. But again, you know, that comes with experience. Like you have to have won before to understand it, even if it's junior or wherever. I mean, I spent 30 years in Peterborough, but, but we won four OHL championships, you know? So uh, again, you get a feel for winning. You start to understand what works, what doesn't. You understand the importance of patience because you've been through it. So, you know, having, having won, um, that, that's really important. Like you, you, you have to have won in your past understand it because if, if you're at the nhl level with no history ever of winning anywhere you're in tough well so. i agree with you wholeheartedly but the only thing i've ever won i want to slice a pizza on the radio once <laughs> but even you know, i looked at that trade and i'm like how is how is this going to help this team like i mean and i, yeah. I again i'm no great hockey mind i love the sport i worship it i i'm yeah. reading and watching and i'm doing everything that a, a diehard would do but like, I mean, I got no real experience in the sport and, and, and a lot of people of the same mentality looked at that trade and they're like, yeah. you know, it's a bit of a sideways look. So, and then you look at, you look at Tampa, right? Julian Brisebois, the, the, the GM there, he picks up David Savard. Mm -hmm. No one really talks about that, but you know, again, when you understand how hard the playoffs are and you're playing every other night, the importance of size, competitiveness, and, and you just kind of quietly add David Savard, you, you look at it going, man, that's, and, and the, the difference obviously with, with Tampa, they could play six guys, three, three sets, right? They could just yep. play them and, and they're all big. They could all skate, they could all play. And Savard was to me, just an under the radar, great addition. Oh yeah. Fantastic. I was hoping the Leafs were, uh, I was hoping to see the him and Leafs uniform this uh, playoffs, mm -hmm. but being, what do you being do? Dreamy dreamers, lease fans are like, oh, in the perfect world, yeah. we'll trade absolutely nobody and get Nick Felino and David Serrard. Yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, but I mean, it's just not possible. And I mean, Yarmo Kikalan yeah. had an absolute field day on draft day. I mean, yeah. he came out of it yeah. as good as any GM general manager can. Oh, uh, yeah. Two and first round draft Felino picks. Yeah. He could get Felino back now. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Absolutely. I'd, I'd, be, mm -hmm. I'd be surprised if he didn't. Yeah, I mean, he's in Toronto. Who knows? But I mean, he's going to get more money in Columbus, so I could see him going back. His family's yep. in Columbus. They're they're yeah. they're they're of the age where they're they're not wanting to leave their friends. He's got he's got a young family. It's not like kids. It's not like babies. You know, and, he's and got look at look at uh, uh, Mark Bergevin again. Just kind of quietly adds Corey Perry and, and Eric Stahl. Like mm -hmm. both guys have won Stanley Cups, right? Yeah. You know? and, yeah. and you know they they've won everywhere they've gone. Corey Perry. He's from Peterborough. I mean, he won in Bantam. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's, you know, like he's a competitive driven guy. And and Bergevin just kind of adds those guys. Um, nobody else, it seemed, wanted Corey Perry. Yeah. He knew the value of it. You know, he knew the value of Eric Stahl as a depth guy. 
So well, you know, these guys know what it took to, to yeah. win, and that's one of the biggest things in the league that you know most of these guys don't know actually what it takes to win. And if and you get a couple of, all, of those guys, they can help you. Chicago, right? Like, you know, winning yeah. Stanley Cup theory. So, anyways, I, I, you know, obviously I'm a Montreal fan, but I'm a Mark Bergevin fan. I just I love the way those he does business, you know. And I, um, but Julian Brisbois in Tampa, I just that guy's brilliant. You know. But, you know, the Sergachev and Druin thing, and, and I mean, long before Druin had to duck out this year, but I always said you traded a blue chip defenseman for a winger. Yeah, uh, Druin's a fine, fantastic player, but I was like, but this is a defenseman, a big, talented defenseman for a winger. I, I, thought, I, I, think, I thought that was a bit rough. But I think what what kind of drove it was the fact that, that Druin was French-Canadian too, which, you know, carries a lot of weight in Montreal. Yeah, And it should. I mean, that, there's nothing wrong with that, but um, I, I, you know, when you can get a French Canadian player, that's, you know, and, and he's a good player. He'll come out of this, I think, but, um, that, that made him even more desirable. You know, I don't think Berge, Mark Bergevin, I think he knew what he was giving up in Sergachev, um, because he, he played in Windsor. I mean, that he's a really good player. So oh, just super talented. You can understand yeah. the logic to a certain extent. That's right. Yeah. I saw it. It's just, uh, for me, Sergeyev would have to be at least a center. And that was always the thing that the Leafs were missing was the big center like Matthews. And I thought that's what the Habs were always uh, missing. And I was always terrified they were going to get Eric Stahl back when he went to Minnesota. If he had to leave Carolina and go to the Habs, I was like, literally, I was going to lose sleep until he was traded to Minnesota. (laughs) And then that happened. Now I'm going to wait for Carey Price to not go to Colorado. And that's oh my, my God, other little, uh, I know, right. Man. It haunts me, man. It haunts me. And I just, I don't know, for some reason, I always feel that maybe it's the Patty Wah thing from years ago. Sack <laughs> yeah. yeah. happened to be on that team. He knows how it went. Hey, I'll tell you one though. When you think about Montreal too, talking about number one centers, how, how good a trade was the Suzuki trade? Oh uh, yeah. I groaned when I saw Suzuki come back. I groaned. I was like, yeah. not Suzuki. I, I got to say, I, I watched him in junior and I liked him. Uh, but yeah. He's way better than I thought. I, oh, he's so good. It's all easy for us to talk about, you know, I was right about this guy. I was right about this guy. And I wasn't totally wrong on him, but he, I, I did not project him to be as good as he is. You know? That was a question I was going to have. Was there anybody that you were wrong about? Oh, yeah, that's, like, that's always something I'm going to ask a scout because yeah. like scouting's fascinating. I'm at the rink with my two kids all the time and I'm just looking like, what do you see in these kids young? Like, yeah. I want to know, like you can't have done this for any extended period of time and not made mistakes. Oh, absolutely. But that's the better ones. Yeah, I, it, for sure. I mean, you know, um, and, and sometimes though it's hard at the NHL level, you know, you, you can sometimes look at it and say, well, that was a mistake, but maybe the fit was a mistake. Maybe the team's ability to develop, wasn't you know didn't maybe players went to other teams after that had a, a much it was an easier fit or so there's sometimes there's reasons you know i mean you look at a guy in, in arizona we took barrett hayton fifth overall he's finished the year spent most of the year in the american league this year um but i've known barrett since he was a, a young kid he's from peterborough his his dad played for me and uh i, I told them right in my mind from he should never you know play as a, as a 19 year old like and they felt for whatever reason he had nothing left to do in junior to accomplish and it's a process again like Barrett needed to to play another world juniors and you know they rushed the process and, and a lot of times when you watch the history guys that get rushed they get injured and and it, it stalls them like they just can't get going and and whereas if you just step back and just let them grow at their own pace 
it's much better. So <clears throat> whether we were wrong or right on Barrett Hayton remains to be seen, but I think the whole process was rushed unnecessarily there. So we'll see. Well, I was actually thinking like, was there somebody you didn't think was very good that ended up being very, very good? Is there anyone that you saw that might have been a bad night? Like if you had left Bonavista, the one night you saw well, Daniel Ryder. I'll tell you one. Right? It could have been them. Uh, Logan Couture. Oh, go. In San Jose. We played them all the time. Uh, he was in Ottawa. I was with the Peets. And, and uh, um, so I watched him a lot. And, and I, you know, again, I respected him. I thought he was a, a solid player. I actually had him on a, a couple of all-star teams that I was a general manager for. And when San Jose traded up to get him, I remember thinking, I don't think they needed to do that you know yeah i remember but, a lot of people saying that they're like why yeah you know doug wilson relied on brian kilray who coached him in ottawa and brian told him like this guy's he's high-end center and and uh um I, I did not think that he would be as good as he's turned out to be so again if you're going to be in this business you got to expect to be wrong once in a while Oh, absolutely you just you just hope you're right more than you're wrong <laughs> that's right yeah and that's yeah. the thing like you're not at the rink every night watching that like the coaches you it could be like two nights he could have been sore for like you know yeah. could have been nursing something you didn't know about or again it's just a great fit you know yep. it's, it's a perfect fit and they're not all perfect so no um so yeah though no there's I could come up with some more, but let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> like my, uh, like my, like my, my grandfather used to say, there's a very thin line between hero and asshole. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. right? That's how I envision scouting. I'm like, Oh shit. No, it's true. Like it's, it's, oh. true. Like, it's, it's not rocket science. And uh, you, you have to know what you like and you have to have, uh, uh, you know, the, the, the strength of your convictions that, you know, and then you have to, when you're wrong, you say, Hey, I was wrong on that guy, you know? And, and, uh, one of my best friends is is Mark Hunter, and uh, he's a really funny guy too. But you know, he owns the London Knights, and and yeah. uh, so he'll bug me about anybody I was wrong on, and and expect me to you know fight back. And I just look at him, I go, "Yeah, I was wrong. What do you want me to say?" <laughs> I'm on that guy, <laughs> he doesn't know what to say. So no. that ends the argument. <laughs> no, and like scouting's always been fascinating. I was down watching the Ice Caps play when they were uh, before they moved to Winnipeg. And, uh, you know, the Marlies are in town. I'm always going to go see the Marlies. And I remember watching Dubas and company up in the private boxes and yeah. just with the pieces of paper and heads down, heads down. I'm like, who yeah. are you looking at? What are you doing? Like, I'm fascinated. Who are you? And like, I'd like to see yeah. those pieces of paper. Yeah, and a lot of times, you know, what it, what it is to Chad, like experience does count, you know, because mm -hmm. you've made your mistakes. Like I made them in junior. I, I started in tier two. I mean, you make them in tier two, you make them in junior, you learn from them. And then hopefully the higher up you go, it limits the mistakes you're going to make, but you're still going to make them because it's not an exact science. I don't care if it's analytical based or eye test based, there's still room for error. And so that's what makes it interesting. That's right. Yeah. It's a game yeah. played on ice. Things are going to happen. It's, a, it's a different talent that you need. That's not just taught in a book. But, right. but if you're afraid to make decisions or, you know, if you're sitting there afraid about being wrong, then you shouldn't do it. No, absolutely not. Because you're not valuable to a team. I mean, if you don't have that you know, strength. You know, I believe in this guy and I'll, you know, I'll put my ass on the line. If you're not ready, if you're going to sit on the fence, you might as well give it up. That's right. Yeah. No, you need the confidence to make that decision yeah. and your abilities. And I agree, but it's always one of those things. Like I'm wondering, are they always, is anybody looking back and be like, damn it, I was wrong oh, yeah. about that. Oh, you're always yeah. looking back. You're always yeah. Looking back. Yeah. And that's, uh, yeah. I always wonder that because that's yeah. such a, such a pressure place. And so it's such let, a cool let's, place. Let's, let's give Jeff an opportunity to be wrong again. All right, so we got uh -oh. a draft coming up, Jeff. Who 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 you got? Someone that's not necessarily 
top three, top four material. Who's the guy that stands out to you currently? Because I mean, this is the most draftiest draft of ever drafts. I mean, it's, it's, it's a hard one. No one's going to hold it against you if you're wrong because everyone's going to be wrong this year. Well, you know, the one that's interesting, and, and I don't have a lot of knowledge of these players. The one player that I have a fair bit of knowledge about is uh, Mason McTavish, who okay. plays here in town. And actually, his dad played for us with the Peets as well. And, and uh, I don't think Mason is projected to go in the top three or four, but certainly somewhere in the top 15, I would think. But yeah, he's there. Really high, high end scorer and, uh, you know, plays hard. He's physically very strong. He's a guy that, uh, uh, when the season was canceled, went to Switzerland to play, um, mm-hmm. to keep his, you know, his, uh, um, game going. Um, there's a player in Barry that I saw a lot, Brant Clark. I think he's, you know, he's going to go pretty high. He's a right defenseman that really, really smart with the puck offensive minded. He actually went to, uh, Slovenia or Slovakia. I think it was somewhere like that to play. So you got to give these kids credit on a lost season. A lot of these high end prospects, they went over to a whole new world for them to, to play. And, uh, but Mason McTavish is going to be really interesting to me because guys like him are hard to find. I, I, I just don't know where he fits because normally I have a good feel for the draft. I don't know a lot of the prospects for the first time this year, but, but I do know him. Oh, it's gonna yeah, it's gonna be a wild draft. You're gonna it's gonna be one of those years where you get where you're pulling Datsuks out of the seventh round. You know, like it's gonna be there's just there's having the sample size for anyone is simply not there. Um, it's well, not Ontario. You know, Ontario's the unknown because well, yeah, I should I should say that I should I should have specified Ontario. Yeah, the Quebec League had you know somewhat of a schedule. The Western League had somewhat of a schedule. Mm-hmm. So Ontario, you know, there's some hidden gems there that you know, some teams are gonna hit home runs and some teams are gonna you know, strike out on some guys, but Ontario kids are going to be real interesting. And, and I know some teams have stepped back and said, we're not touching anybody from Ontario because they didn't play. So yeah, um, that's good. The Ontario kids are really going to be interesting. I don't know if if you're not going to gamble, are you really in the game? But right. listen, it didn't. Oh, was it uh, Shane Wright never played in almost 400 days? Yeah, <laughs> and he came out and absolutely ripped it up. Yeah, <laughs> you know. But so I mean, these teams too, though. Like if you're doing it right, you've got a bit of a book on the kids a year in advance. You know, so they would have somewhat of a book, and they've all got video from a lot of these kids that didn't play. You know, from the previous year, they can watch. So, but but Ontario is 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 the most unknown for sure. Yeah, and like and trying to keep all these kids in shape. Yeah, you know, and mentally and physically, because yeah. you know your junior career goes by so fast, and 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 your draft year is such a special year for these kids, and it was gone, you know, and and uh, too bad. for the kids for sure. That that was a really tough year. I got a, I got yeah. another player I wanted to ask you about. Good young kid, probably got a bright future. Uh, you're probably familiar with him, Steve Oserman. I think you're probably <laughs> familiar with him. He's a very good well, player. You, you know what, Ryan? My first draft with the Peets. The very first time I sat at the table, we drafted Steve first. And that was our first round pick. Now, I was just, <laughs> yeah. kid. I was like 20 years old. We didn't draft him because of me. Um, but I sat at the table. I still to this day remember Steve coming down, had the long hair, little little kind of a kid, you know. And and uh, so he he was only here two years, but you know, you knew he he was going to, he was a guy that the process was accelerated. <laughs> yeah. He, he, he came, I don't know what, what, where we picked him. He was in the first round, I was fourth or something like that, but he had led the tier two league in Ottawa, I believe in scoring that year prior to being drafted by the Peets. And the guy that would have had a lot of say in that was Jacques Martin, who's mm-hmm. a longtime NHL coach. He was our scout in Ottawa at the time. So Jacques would have seen a lot of, of Steve. So I always tell people, well, that was my first draft, but we didn't draft Steve Eiserman because of me. <laughs> <laughs> 
listen, if I was you, that's what I would say. I'd be like, no. Yeah. They want. I was they at want, the table. They wanted to take. They wanted to take some. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, well, and, and when you look back, it, it's still. Uh, I, I forget. It was Brian Bradley went ahead of him. I think he went thir- maybe third. So there might be two guys that went ahead of him. Brian Bradley was one. I forget who the other one was, but uh, it's it's you know it's incredible that that Steve didn't go first overall, and thankfully he didn't because he ended up here. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's, 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 I was looking back through, of course, because having you on the show, I mean, I, my, my memory of who was Pete, I was like, God, I, like cause my, my, my recent memories of Pete's, I mean, I've been following the Pete's wholeheartedly since they drafted uh, both Robertson and, and, and Seymour Diagacenza. I think both players, uh, the ceiling on both those players is, is, is whatever they decide to make it. Yeah. Um, but I was digging back through and I was like, my God, the Pete's have had such great players over the years, you know. And, 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 but limited success, of course. I mean, it's like any franchise, you, you, you can't wean on just one or two players. Yeah. Uh, but you guys had, uh, had three championships, zero OHL championships four. while you were there. And, uh, four. 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 89, okay. 89, 93, 96, 2000. Yeah. Okay, right. Right there. Oh, there it is. <laughs> uh, four. I, I, you I better hope you're right. Never forget. Yeah, I hope you're right. If not, that's a terrible. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I, remember, I remember the championship. So now there's four. So oh. that's, that's what that's my next question. Obviously, I'm curious what what what's your favorite memory? I mean, you have four championships. I mean, they're all special for their own reasons, I'm sure. But do you have a memory that sticks out as like you know that was your crowning uh, point as a as a general manager? Maybe the old six team which was Jordan Stahl was on that team um Patrick Coletta played for Buffalo uh, Steve Downey played in the NHL and there was others but you know two years prior to that um we had missed the I think we had missed the playoffs it was two or three years prior to that and uh you know the heat in this town when you miss the playoffs is is like <laughs> it's not pleasant and uh you know to watch that group grow and uh, that that's where I really learned the the process because we stuck with a core with that team and they grew as a group and then we traded for for Steve Downey that year um and you know because we had a tough year we got Jordan Stahl with the third overall pick um and, and we built it you know and then it's small market versus big market we we beat the London Knights you know four straight in the finals and and uh you know that wasn't supposed to happen because everybody thought the small markets couldn't win so to prove that they could um, and, and I think it was almost 10 years after that, nobody from the East won. Every, the teams were always in the Western part of, of, of uh, the OHL. So we were the only team in about a 10 year span. Um, but, but what's funny was we won in 06 and then in, in 1996, we won. We hosted the Memorial Cup and we, and we lost in the Memorial Cup final to Granby. So in a span of 10 years, we had two championships. And uh, mm-hmm. after we won in, in 06, we had a record season four straight in the finals and i'm downtown you know after the game getting something to eat with my wife and and uh, friends of ours and some guy screaming at me you know like that was a long effing 10 years between championships to you know and he's giving it to me i'm like <laughs> some teams in the ohl have never won a championship secondly i think we were the only team in that 10-year span that won it twice <laughs> and yeah. this He's ripping me. So I was, gonna, I was actually going to ask you about good chirps because, like I said, everyone seems to have a chirp that they remember sticks out to them at a certain time. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> fans can be cruel here for sure, but uh, but 06, I just think because it was it was a team that was built, 
96 team, same thing. We built it over, you know, through some hard times to, to build it with a core. And, and the 96 team was interesting because we made one trade. We, we added a guy, Eric Landry, right at the start of the year, and we made no moves the rest of the year. And uh, we, we were OHL championships or champions, beat Guelph in seven games. Uh, that seven game series in the finals, nobody could win a home game. So thankfully, game seven was in Guelph. <laughs> oh, yeah. But anyways, uh, Ryan, you can trust me on the four championships because uh, I know how hard it is to win. So so there's definitely <laughs> four. I won pizza one time, Jeff. I know it all about. <laughs> one slice. I think it might have been a double slice too, like the you know the big wedge. But well, yeah, yeah. you got to be patient because you got to keep trying right till you get it. <laughs> right. so it was three Fridays in a row. I called in. I called yeah, in three Fridays in a row and finally won. It was amazing. But if, if you think you're only going to call once and win every time, it doesn't work that way. So <laughs> no, that's right. I'm, t- I'm taking notes here, Jeff. I am. Oh, I am. Yeah. I'm taking notes. Going, going big or go home. There's one other thing I wanted to ask you about from your junior days, and uh, it was your time. I mean, short-lived, but your time in Oshawa there. You had a team there your first year, and when I when I pulled up the roster, I was like, holy hell, that looks like a team that I wouldn't want to play against. No. Just a bunch of guys. Even the guys who weren't what I would call tough still played a, 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 a one of those, like a Scott Lawton-type player. Just hard on the four check, just, just yeah. miserable to play against. But, I mean, just a bunch of tough guys. Tyler Biggs, yeah. Scott Sabrin, who's you know made a name for himself. In the AHL, as, as a guy you just don't want to tangle with. Yeah. Hunter Smith. Hunter Smith, uh, yeah. Boone Jenner again. Boone Hunter, Jenner, Missouri. I love yeah. Boone Jenner, one of my favorite, favorite. Tenacious. Yeah. 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 Boone, Boone well, another guy too, uh, Josh Brown, plays for Ottawa yes. Senators. You know, yep. real tough, you know, big, yes. real tough. Um, um, but yeah, I mean, Boone Jenner, probably the hardest worker I've ever seen day in, day out. Just work, 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 play hurt, never complain. You know, Scott Lawton uh, wouldn't fight too often, but, you know, mean, mean player. Um, but it, it's interesting because Oshawa is, is a is a working class town, General Motors factory, factory town. They appreciate hard work. They appreciate toughness and uh, they love that team. And uh, DJ Smith was was a hard nosed player when he played. So everything fit perfectly. Yeah. And uh, the one thing I said to uh, to the ownership when they hired me, I said, listen, wins and losses that's tough to predict. But the one thing I will guarantee you is that no team of mine will ever be soft. And, uh, you know, so thankfully that team, uh, backed me up, but yeah, though that, that, that team. And the next year we added some more guys as well. A guy, justice Dundas, uh, John McGuire, just those, those were really tough kids. So that, that type of hockey is, is respected in Oshawa. I mean, you, not stupidity, but hard competitive hockey, Oshawa loves it. Well, I mean, most cities do, but Oshawa in particular. Yeah, every, everyone's yeah. got a soft spot for the guy who puts on his work boots and comes to work every day, you know? like and, Everyone and grinds it out every night, right? Yeah, it's Scott that's, yeah, I appreciate that. He's a great story. He was never drafted. And, Was that uh, story? I missed it. Scott Sabrin. Sabrin. Was never well, Sabrin, yeah, yeah. Fantastic story. Not because of me. He he was there when I got there. Um, but I don't think Scott knew kind of how to be good, and, and uh, we changed the culture really quick there. And uh, he got a rude awakening and changed dramatically. And, uh, you know, the rest is history. He, he, he did it on his own, um, but he had to learn. And uh, he got his ass kicked a little bit early in, his, in his, that year. But uh, by the end, he's still one of my favorites. I still stay in touch with him the odd time. And uh, he's done really well. Yeah, no, the, 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 I mean, he hasn't had a fair shake with the Leafs yet because they simply haven't needed him. Uh, but the, the, the little bit of time that we've got to see of, of Scott – 
man does because uh, he doesn't look out of place as a player either like i mean like well, there, there is no place for goons anymore in the nhl it simply doesn't doesn't exist so when you've got a guy who can handle himself like scott can if he needs to but but still doesn't look out of place in your bottom six man i i really enjoy him as a player i watched him in in the with the marlies on a game that was televised last year uh, he had like 15 penalty minutes in the, in 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 the, in the first 30 seconds of the yep. game and he was yep. tossed out i'm like yeah that's what i'm talking about run the goalie drop the gloves <laughs> He knows his role, right? And he yeah. embraces it and he's not afraid of it. Um, one of, yeah. Still one of my favorite players from that that team and the team after was Scott Lawton, you know, playing in Philadelphia. Oh, good. Yeah. You can see he's he's really found his game now. He's one of the top third-line centers, maybe fourth, but probably third in, in the NHL. And, you, you know, he had a chance to, to possibly test free agency a little bit, I think, and, uh, you know, wanted to stay, probably took a little less, as we talked about, to, to stay in Philly because he's a – He's a Philadelphia flyer for sure. He's, he's a, and Boone Jenner, I think those guys were really good friends too. Um, but Scott has a meanness to him. He's, he's a guy you want to go into a playoff game with for sure. Oh, absolutely. I mean, Boone, Boone likes to walk that line too. I mean, even in world juniors, he like, he got tossed out, like yeah. he got suspended. Like he's just always on that line. And he can play the wing. He can play center. I mean, he's mostly playing the wing, I think, in Columbus. But he can play center, too. He kills penalties, blocks shots. Like, That's right. Unheralded, but very valuable. One, yep. one kid we didn't mention from that team, which I feel I feel remiss if we didn't, is Lucas Lessio as well. Didn't quite fit the total mold of the rest of the characters on that that team. But what a talented young fella. I mean, well, such we, a... we ended up we we drafted Lucas in Arizona in the second round. And uh, his his second season with us in Oshawa – he had a very serious hand injury um, skate. And, and it was an, it was an amazing story because we were, I forget who we were playing, but first shift Lucas went down and, and a guy sliced his hand and major surgery. And I'm like, man, that's, that's about as serious an injury as I've ever seen later in that same game, Hunter Smith, who was a big right winger was a second round pick to Calgary flames got hit. He went down and his glove kind of opened up. Guy stepped on his hand, cut his hand. So in one game, we had two guys long-term serious hand, serious hand injuries. So, so I think that, that that injury kind of impacted Lucas a little bit. Um, Arizona might not have been a great fit for him as well, but I think, you know, for pure talent, he, he was a horse too, big, strong, could really skate, um, had to learn the game a little bit, but, you know, he's still playing. He's in, I think he's in the KHL now. So. Yeah, no, I, I was I was surprised he didn't stick around. To be honest, I really was because he was one of those guys. Yeah. So I kind of had earmarked as, as as a guy to watch. Yeah. You know, shift shifty, could go down to puck, aggressive. I, I don't. I just liked his game. I really I really enjoyed his game. So, no, great great players in that team have really stuck out to me as as kind of guys that I enjoy to watch. So. Yeah, well, if you ever get a chance to go to Oshawa, Ryan or Chad, it's a great building. It, it's it's a great building to watch a game in, and uh, the facilities there like are unbelievable like it's nhl caliber locker room you know oh, no way. video it's 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 probably better than what we had in arizona when i was there and that's not a slight on arizona but that's how good oshawa oh, no way. passionate the buildings right downtown it's uh it's, it's a good spot oh well me and chad are planning our uh, our trip to uh, ontario at some point to do a yeah. hockey a hockey dudes trip and uh, <laughs> we're gonna look all you guys up when we get there i'm gonna bring the free pizza but <laughs> If I can help you, I'm happy to do it because there's some really good places to, to watch games, you know. I would love to. Some I love watching modern. Peterborough, Peterborough for sure. I mean, it's a it's a unique mm-hmm. building. They've never seen another building designed like Peterborough. It's it was built in 1956, so it's it's old and uh it's a barn, um, yeah. 
sure. and, and they've got all the history. Every team, you know, that ever was in Peterborough, all the team pictures. So you can watch me age over 30 years there. <laughs> I'm getting older. But uh, you can see guys like Steve Eiserman or, or Chris Pronger, for instance, when they came at a young age. Um, yeah. The history there is, is fun. You'd, you'd love it if you ever got to a game in Peterborough. I can look after you here for sure. Well, oh, yeah, we're going to hold you up on that. And like, sure. same, same when you come this way, we got no hockey to show you, but we got lots of wrong. Get <laughs> <laughs> you guys but, know what I think of Newfoundland. It's a great place. Yeah. 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 You can so watch me uh, follow my ass trying to coach some uh, seven-year-olds. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know, just, just, if you want one other story, um, you guys, I don't know if you remember with the, with the St. John Maple Leafs, uh, Sean Thornton. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He played here, and uh, you know, Thornton, same thing. Was just a. I took a chance on a guy, drafted him in the ninth round, I think, because I'd seen him at a tournament in Quebec. He'd been through two drafts. Nobody wanted him, and uh, he went. He couldn't even make a junior B team uh, in Oshawa, and came in and made our our '96 championship team, and was a vital part of it. And uh, played a long time on the Rock there for the Leafs. Yeah, they did it. Yeah, a long career, two Stanley Cups. Um, that's a that's a really really proud of him because another tough tough player. Yeah, and yeah, played, you know, played the game right. They look at you as a general manager, like, oh, what a great pick, you know, you're you're smart. I'm like, geez, if I knew he was that good, I would have taken him a lot earlier. I just yeah, <laughs> that, that's the funniest that's the funniest thing about people say, oh, what great scouting Detroit has. I'm like, if Detroit has such great scouting, they took those guys a lot earlier. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, you know, so. Authority will be still, I'm sure, remembered by by fans of Newfoundland because uh, he was yeah. he spent a lot of time in the community there. He played there for a long time and and uh, went on obviously to to huge success in the NHL. I remember oh, yeah. one, of my, one of my first games as a fan. I, mean, I was only a little kid at the time, of course, when Thornton would have played here. Uh, young enough that my dad took me to the game, yeah. and I remember there was this big bolsterous. The man was like at least twice the size of my dad. My dad was a big man at the time. He was standing behind us at Memorial Stadium in St. John's. And he just kept saying, give him the body, Sean. Give him the body. I never heard a thing the entire game. It yeah. was literally 60 minutes of this guy shouting, give him the body, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Chad, you got anything else for Jeff before we let him go? Because like, so this is, we're, we're into overtime already. I don't want to keep the man no, on. I'm a, he got all mine. Uh, that and then some. I had to torture him with the uh, mistakes, but I mean, oh, I you know, that was always one thing I had to wonder. I didn't duck it. <laughs> no, he didn't duck it. No, Bob, Bob and weave on the Taylor don't. Hall thing a little bit, but that's okay. <laughs> I'll tell you how I felt about that one. That that, that trade never should have happened, but anyways. No. Yeah, we digress. <laughs> yeah. Well, Jeff, honestly from the bottom of our hearts, thanks so much for coming on. Uh, talking yeah, hockey right. with a hockey guy is what we strive to do here. Uh, and different angles. It's fantastic. No, listen, guys, I appreciate it. I, you know, talk, I obviously I'm a little long winded, but I, I love talking hockey and reliving stories. And for you guys to give me a, a chance to do it, uh, I appreciate that. So anytime, seriously, if you ever want me on, let me know. Cause it's been a lot of fun. I really appreciate it. Yeah. No, well, we, awesome. we really appreciate it too. We're, we, we've always, we've always kicked around the idea of trying to connect with uh, someone in scouting or uh, we had Tim, Tim Cherry on actually for an episode a while back. Now it's a different, that's a different kind of scouting. He's yeah, scouting for, for, scouting. for, but it's still scouting, but uh, his approach to his scouting, it would be different than a team, a team scout. So yep. again, uh, we, we really enjoy that, that particular, that particular viewpoint. And, yep. uh, and we're really grateful to have you on. So like I said, we, when, as these scouting things come back up, we're going to be back in touch and we're going to get yep. together again for a, for a powwow. 
happy to do it. I can share more stories with you anytime you want, guys. So I Excellent. It. And Ryan, I want to see those pictures uh, oh. when you're out in the ocean. So I want to see that. I, I sincerely do. So if you don't forget, send that to me. And yeah. listen, open invitation. I know you've got a lot of guests, but if you ever need somebody, I'd, I'd happily come on again and share some more stories with you. Oh, well, I really appreciate go, that. Maybe, maybe I'll hold we'll, you to it. Maybe we need another host someday. <laughs> we can put on the zero payroll that we got. <laughs> no, it's yeah. I appreciate it. So this is fun, guys. I really appreciate it. I, I sincerely do. So thank you. And uh, look forward to staying in touch. And if you're ever coming through Ontario, for sure. And I want to see those pictures. Yeah, absolutely, sir. All right, guys. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks. All right. Say hello to everybody in Newfoundland. Will yeah. do. Will do, man. All right. All the best. Have a great evening. Bye now. See you see later. Ya. Well, there you have it. Man. Here's, yeah. our, here's our post-game reaction to the Jeff Tui episode. The uh, view from the Pro Scout. Holy hell, that was some good stuff. What a great guy. First and foremost, I know our listeners are going to be tired of hearing this because after every guest I say, wow, so good. what a great guy. But let me tell you something about our guests, guys. If they weren't great guys, they wouldn't agree to come on here anyway. Me and Sorry. Chad are a couple of newbie podcasters, newbie newfies if that so uh the fact that these guys are willing to come on and share their experiences and uh, and their stories with us uh speaks volumes about the kind of people they are anyway so we're really grateful jeff took the time uh we certainly will be back in touch with him and he will be back on the deke snipe silly podcast because his his perspective and his connections in and around the league are far too valuable not to tap into at least as often he said as he'll agree to come on so he promises there's lots of stories yet to come oh yeah, no, the little conversations I had with him leading up to this podcast, I was like, oh, man, I should be recording, like, now, right, right yeah. this second now. Uh, such a great guy and uh, and a unique perspective on the game. You don't get to spend 40 years in, in hockey uh, without being a quality individual to begin with. Hockey doesn't have any people who aren't. you got to be a quality individual, and uh, you had a prime example of one just now. So uh, if you like what you've seen, uh, give it a share. Give it a like. Uh, tell all your friends, as Steve Dangle would say. But uh, no, uh, give it a share. Give it a like. We uh, we appreciate any of that feedback we get online. Drop a comment in the comment box because uh, we love interacting with the people who are watching the show as well. But uh, primarily, you can pick us up, of course, uh, our video podcast on our website, www.deeksnipeselly.ca. You can also catch us on Facebook. All of our All of our content articles, memes, Everything that's, that Deke Snipe Silly's got going on is on our Facebook page. Uh, we've got a few viral memes going on there lately, which is a bit of fun. But, uh, but yeah, we're on Facebook.com slash Deke Snipe Silly. You can also catch us on Twitter. We're terrible at that, but we're working on at uh, Silly Deke on Twitter. Uh, but, of course, like I mentioned uh, to Jeff, our audio podcast is on the climb all the time. Um, you can catch us on Spotify, uh, Stitcher. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, all of the above, basically. Um, just Google Deke Snipes Ellie. So if you got nothing else, Chad, man, it's, uh, it's late in the night for me. I'm ready to hit yep. the hay. I'm, uh, I'm training a 10-week-old puppy, so uh, yeah, I could be up. I could, I could be ready to do this all night, or I could be asleep on the couch in about 10 minutes. So. There you go. All right, guys, I you're going to see it now. Got... Hit that subscribe button right there boom there all right guys peace out cheers <laughs>